This podcast is a member of the Voices of Wrestling podcasting network. Visit VoicesOfWrestling.com to hear the rest of our great podcasts, as well as show reviews, columns, opinions, and updates across the world of wrestling. You are listening to the Voices of Wrestling podcast with your hosts... Joe Lanza. X out. Go listen to some boring podcast where they're afraid of their own shadow. Okay? Don't listen to Joe Lanza. Because Joe Lanza's not changing. And Rich Cranch. <laughs> I love you. Who delivers <laughs> this guy in a big spot? Joe, don't yell at me. In the, in the big spot. Who delivers better than this guy? <laughs> Stop yelling at me. I agree. Welcome once again to the Voice of Wrestling flagship podcast. I'm Rich Cranch alongside, as always, King of Banter. Very good family man. Maz achieved godlike status. Mr. Joe Lanza. Joe, what's happening? You ready for a big time show here or what? I'm ready. It's a, it's a late night for me. It's a little tough, but it's a weird week. We're recording at a, at a very early time. I feel like I just talked to you, I don't know, five days ago, and I'm talking to you again, but I'm excited. I'm ready to go. So you're breaking kayfabe. What if you didn't want to put this out until like Thursday or Friday? Now, now people, it's going to sound weird. If people are like, wait a minute, he just said they recorded early, but I'm getting it on my feed at the usual <laughs> I, I time. Was planning on not, I was planning on not because like knowing us and knowing the, the history of this show, golly knows what will happen between now and Thursday, for God's sakes. Like if I if I actually waited that long to post this show, yeah. can, you, can you even imagine what would happen in wrestling where we would drop this episode and people are like, oh, I can't believe they didn't even talk about blank or, you know, like or revolution. Like, you know, it'll be canceled or MJF will quit AEW. Like some ungodly thing will happen between now and Thursday if we don't because like we'll tempt fate. If we if we let this thing, if we sit on this thing for, for you know, 24 hours, can you even fathom in your head like what would go on that would just completely destroy the show and make it completely, you know, worthless by, you know, 24 hours? Yes. Vincent K. McMahon would die. <laughs> right. It would be something ridiculous where it's like, oh, come on. Like, where I think we would have to, like, really be like, you know what? Let's screw it. Let's just scrap that entire episode and do a whole new. It would be something of that catastrophic uh, extent for sure. So The Rock would jump to pro wrestling Noah. <laughs> Ooh. <laughs> What's the angle on that, that one? one? I'm very curious about that. I mean, he just likes. Uh, he just back. He just wants the you know the, the thrill again. He has seen this uh, fiery youngster, Kato Kiyomiya, and he wants a piece of him. <laughs> you know, that's that's. He sees a little bit of the young Rocky in him. You know, a guy that that people weren't quite sure if he had the charisma. If he quite had the it factor, and and you know. Yeah, Rocky, I mean, <laughs> deep down he knows he's in, it's in there. So that's that's it. You know, John Cena would walk onto the set at NWA Power. You know, something like that would happen. And then our show would just be worthless, you know? More than it usually is. I mean, it's usually pretty worthless, but more than usual, so. Yeah, so something big would happen. Something big always happens when we do this. So you're guaranteed a big-time pro wrestling news event to to occur this week because that's what happens every time we do the show early, you know? If you believe in that sort of thing, if you believe in – superstition or fate do you believe in ghosts any kind of shit like that i don't think so yeah i i, I waver I, I i waver a lot on, on that sort of stuff like there are there are periods where i do believe in ghosts and i do believe in that sort of stuff and then there's other times where I'm like nah i wouldn't what doesn't make sense there's no way it would happen so i i i don't know if i'm fully in any one camp but i tend to i, I tend to i tend to lean more on the i don't believe any of that stuff but there are times where i'm like ah, that's weird though <laughs> that's you know what you know like certain things happen or you know 
the house, you hear a weird noise or whatever, you, you know, and you wonder, ah, man, maybe there are ghosts, maybe there is something going on. But uh, I, I tend to, I tend to be on the the, the not believe side. How about uh, Mr. Joel Lanza? I want to believe in ghosts because I want to be one, but obviously I'm far too logical to buy into it. Yeah, it's tough. But I, but I want to believe in it. Oh, I, I agree. Oh, I yeah. Like I like people get mad at me when I tell them like I'm an atheist, and they're like, "Well, don't you want to believe in like a heaven and stuff?" I'm like, "Of course I do." <laughs> like that'd be much better it. than dying, and then my entire existence is void. Like, yeah, of course I would love to be like, hey, welcome to these, like, this beautiful area where you get to hang out for the rest of, like, eternity. And, or, yeah, you're a ghost. And you get to, like, fuck, like, walk around and see what other people are doing and shit. That'd be great. It'd be fantastic. But, you like, float. You float around, you know, you, you float. You're, you're a specter. You know, I feel you like would, the problem with Joe Lanza as a ghost is I feel like you would just go to, like, Reds games. You know what I mean? You would just go to Great American Ballpark and just like I'd absolutely go to Reds like, games. You know, sit and you wouldn't even sit in like a good seat either. You'd sit in like an okay seat. You'd be like two hundred level or something like that. Put your feet on the, you know, because because you want a little space. You don't want to be where everybody's at. You want a little you know room to yourself. You're a ghost. It doesn't matter at that point. But I would say you don't. You wouldn't want like you wouldn't want everybody like kind of in your area and in your way and stuff. So you, I think you'd find your way well, up to like a you know a section that's a little less populated or whatever. So you can put your feet up. You gotta hang out a little bit. You know. I don't want to be around people now, so I definitely don't want to. <laughs> That's be what I mean. People. Yeah, as a ghost, like. But um, yeah, well, like why wouldn't I go? You you act like that's a bad thing to do. Yeah, I'd, I'd fucking set up shop in Great American Ballpark. Why not? That's where. That's what I would haunt. Right. I would right. Haunt. Well, well, some people would be like, "Oh, if I'm a ghost, you know, I'd, I'd go and you know tell my wife that I love her. <laughs> and, you know, that I'll always be with her, I'll always watch over her." And I feel like you would just like. Be there, you know, rooting on your fucking Joey Get- Joey Votto, you know, at Great American Ballpark. I don't know why wow, I, I shouldn't kill. I shouldn't kill you that quickly. Sorry, you're killing me quickly. Joey I Votto mean, Jr. When Joey Votto Jr. is in the league, is that fair? Fidel Castro? Fidel Castro, <laughs> uh, hot, hot prospect Fidel Castro. That's a real red prospect. A real prospect. Oh no, that's unfortunate. Um, He's like 18, so I might be dead. Before no, oh come on, no. That's why I said Joey um, Votto Jr. So. Well, look, here we go, tempting fate. We don't believe in it, so what's it matter? Exactly. Right, right, right. We just guaranteed my death. I'm going <laughs> to die in my sleep before this podcast comes out. Man. Um, no, I'd absolutely do those things. Look, that's what I do now. <laughs> Why wouldn't I do that as a ghost? I basically sit here and watch Reds games, and, you know, why would that change? You know? But... Of course, I want to believe in that and believe it's real and that I can be one because I, I don't want to believe that my existence is, is finite. I don't want to believe that my consciousness is just, you know, going to be gone in 40 years and it's just an eternal state of nothingness. Nothing scares me more. I mean, it's awful. It keeps me up at night. You know, it doesn't even just keep me up at night anymore. I used to just get the night terrors and like wake up and just be like, ah, I'm going to die. You know, now. It's creeping into my daily life. Like sometimes I'm just driving down the street and it hits me and I'm like, oh man, what's the point of this? I'm just going to fucking be dead by like 2050. Like, why am I going to work? You know, it's this existential shit. You know, it just hits you. Uh, You know, at least when it was just hitting me in the night, you know, I could just go back to sleep or fucking walk downstairs and put on Sports Center or something. But now it's hitting me like random times. That's concerning. (laughs) It's concerning, Rich. It might hit me during this podcast, for all we know. But, uh, yeah, so I hope ghosts are real. I hope I become one. I would love to haunt. Um, but, but, 
I, well, I'm not, never mind. You know, in 2013, I could have went down the, the lane I was going to go down, but these are different times. Oh, man. Um, off air, I'll ask you. Tell me off air, yeah. yeah. Um, you know how people are. You know, like 99.9% of the people would just laugh at the bit I was about to do. But do you want to deal with the point one on Twitter for six days? No, I'll, I'll really. leave it to you. No, not really. So. Okay, neither do I. Um, so, you know, as far as like uh, believing in fate or superstitions, did I ever tell you the story or did I ever tell it on air? I don't know if I did about, um, you know, uh, my the, what the psychic told my ex-girlfriend about 12 13 years ago i don't i I don't recall offhand maybe maybe once you say the 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 entire story i'll remember it but it it doesn't sound it it sounds so yeah go ahead let's let's act like there's new listeners who have never heard that yes if you start to recognize the story just sell it like you never heard it before most of the listeners probably haven't so um i had an ex who really believed in psychics like you know, I I don't know how it is in Chicago or, or, or in other places around the country, but in New Jersey, when you go down the shore, Rich, which is the terminology you use in New Jersey, you say you're going to go down the shore when you're going to the beach um, and you go to the boardwalk. You have all like these boardwalk gypsies, like these $10 psychics. Okay. Like, you, yeah, know, yeah, yeah. you know, they're absolute hacks. You know what I mean? It's like with their fucking crystal balls and their fucking, you know, the whole night. Like she'd even believe in those people. Like she was just like those are just gimmicky. Like they don't even take themselves seriously. Yeah, she yeah. Did, did, did this ex girlfriend? Did she like charge stones on full moons and shit? Was she one of those? Uh, she wasn't like into it herself, but she just really had a thing for psychics. Like, Got she it. Was, so she bought into the gimmick. She didn't like she think that she had any powers, but no, that these people that you know have a folding table and a you know a, 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 a cloth to put on their head yeah. are uh, are yeah are going to appear into your future via this you know glass ball yeah. <laughs> they got a they got a smoke machine under the table right. and a crystal ball that they pack into their camera yeah. every single night and so like even like shitty ones like that that they even take themselves seriously see let alone the ones that are the true hucksters that are charging you know, like 400 dollars for a reading right right, right. I, we have more of those I, I i can't say that in our uh our beaches or our downtown areas there's really any um like kind of carnival one, Maybe yeah, carnival yeah. We don't really, not really, yeah. But we do have a lot of. I mean, just God, like in my drive to work, I pass like five or six different like strip mall um, psychics on, on my way there. So yeah, I've never never stopped into one, of course. But uh, they all still are somehow in business, man. So somebody is stopping in and somebody's paying them. So I don't know who, but maybe your yeah. ex girlfriend. <laughs> yeah, that's who it is because she would buy into all of these people: the expensive ones, the cheap ones, the carnival barkers, whoever. And she just was like addicted to these psychics and she'd sneak off and spend all this money. So anyway, she got wrapped up with this one psychic uh, who charged her like $300 for a reading. And then this is how diabolical some of these people are. This psychic then told her, I'm putting a curse on you unless you come back and pay me another $300. Oh, to what? <laughs> what a worker. Jesus. So they spot these like vulnerable people who believe in this shit. And they pull bullshit like that, right? And I didn't know about any of this until like months or maybe even years later when she confessed because it was embarrassing for her because she went down there and paid this person like 300 bucks. Then she was going back like every three weeks and giving her like $200, $100, $200 to reverse this supposed curse. This person was hustling her. Um, and when I found out, I wanted to go down there with a baseball bat and just fucking murder this person. You know what I mean? It's just it's disgusting. But that's not even the story. The story is what that psychic told her, okay? 
She goes to that psychic and she goes, the psychic tells her, you have no future with this Joe. None whatsoever. Uh, he, 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 his wife and his future is in Texas. Now keep in mind, Rich, this was like in 2006. Okay. So when she finally tells me this story about this hustler who shook her out for all this money and told her, I was like, see, how ridiculous is this? I'm never going to fucking go to Texas. Texas. What are you talking about? I'll Why never leave New Jersey. <laughs> if this is not proof enough that these people are shyster or just fucking ripping you off, I mean, there you go. I'm never going to step foot in Texas. You know, like three years later, I'm living in Texas. Long since broken up with that person. Basically, everything that that person said came to pass. What are the fucking odds? Now, have you ever, have you, have you remained, do you keep conversation with this ex or no? Is this like long gone where you can't even do that? I didn't for like eight years. And then when her parents died, we kind of like, I called her to give my sympathies. Her parents died seven days apart. Mm. Yeah. So I found out from, you know, whoever the fuck. And I called her up to, you know offer my condolences or whatever and then we became friends again for like a year but you know how that goes with exes oh, it, just, yeah, it, it eventually fades again you know it's like it's weird then I, yeah you try you're like hey how's you know tim or whatever you don't give it's a cool shit. to like you don't relive. fucking care how her new boyfriend is <laughs> you know. well here's how it goes it's like it's cool to like relive the old days and then fill in the gap of when you hadn't talked but then once you do all that there's nowhere left to right, right 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 and it's that. just and then you also start to see the signs of why you did, why you broke up with the person. I mean, there's a reason that they weren't in your life anymore, and you start to see those things. But anyway, and then I met Brittany, and then it's like inappropriate. It's just the whole thing. So anyway, well, did you ever, did you ever let her know about that? You're I'm obviously living in Texas, and I'm marrying a woman from yeah, Texas. Yeah, she okay. knew. She knew I was in Texas. Like you know, and I, I did she did she hold that over your head? Because I would, I would be like, oh yeah, okay, huh, weird. It, <laughs> you know, it it never came up again. Interesting. It never came up I, because, again, I think she was a little embarrassed that she got shaken down for all that money, and I wasn't going to bring it up because then I'd have to take the L because right. I and said it would prove it. it. Well, all- she probably waste even more money on on stuff. God, hopefully, God willing, that she has stopped doing that. There's no chance that she stopped. <laughs> I think she's still <laughs> no, especially after all that shit came to pass. Right, right. It's like the relationship fell apart, like the psychic said it would. And three years later, I am in Texas. And a few years later after that, I am married in Texas. Everything the psychic said happened, right? And it's like uh, right down to the physical description of TLB. It, it's pretty crazy. You, you got know? this guy's number or what? Is <laughs> a woman, but okay. you know not, that doesn't matter. But um, but yeah, pretty pretty nuts. But uh, but yeah, I don't know if that changes your view on psychics. I can tell you that it still doesn't for me. Um, I am still willing to chalk all of that up to coincidence and cold reading. That might sound nuts, but I just can't find it plausible that this that someone has that kind of because then really what's the we are just following a predestined path and and nothing we decide ever really truly matters. You know, you, you get real like. Again, there, existential it is, there it is. You were right? wondering when it would come because up. Because it's like, there it is. you know, all of all of these things, you think you're in control of your life. But if everything was just going to lead me to the life that, that I'm having now and somebody knew this in fucking 2006 by looking into a fucking gimmick crystal ball, then 
what the fuck, man? But then again, is this, you know, nihilist view towards life part of that path? To, you could really get wrapped up in this stuff. So I choose to just continue not believing in it and, you know, watch my fucking Reds games. What do you want from me? Yeah, absolutely. No, that, that's and I, I do wonder if it, it was a situation where, like, had the psychic got it wrong, you would have just been like, ah, whatever, you know, same old shit. Like, if they said that Joe's going to end up in, you know, Nevada and it didn't happen and you're like, well, yeah, like, like how many things did that psychic say or any of the psychics say that that never did come true that you'll never remember again because you sat in there. She said a bunch of bullshit and you just let it you know, roll off then. Okay. Yeah, whatever. Okay. Yeah, yeah, whatever. And none of it ever like think of the percentage of, of times that it probably didn't come true. You you know what I mean? Like again, and this is that weird thing where like, sometimes I'm like, ah, maybe, I don't know. But like also, you know, maybe they just got lucky (laughs) that one time and they just, you know, shot in the dark and they got it. Cause yeah, you know, if they had the wrong state and, and, and said, you know, this or that, that like details had changed a little bit, you would never remember this. You would not be bringing that up, you know, 20 years later or whatever, 15 years later or whatever, you would never be bringing that, uh, this, the psychic up ever again. Like, just like I'm sure you said in on many, or she said in on many different things that never, ever registered, you know, beyond. Exactly. That's a good point. The psychic could have told her a thousand other things that didn't come to pass, but those don't, you don't bring those up. Right. You remember the one that did come true, not the 500 times she was wrong about stuff. So, although to be fair, the, your relationship is going to fail miserably and his wife is in Texas and she's a, in a, her exact words were an American looking, I don't know what that means, brunette with large breasts were her, were her exact words okay. to, to my other ex. And it's like, she said that like in 2006. So it's not like we didn't know it was right at that point. Right, 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 right. Well. Like I was, I was like, this is fucking ridiculous. I have no connection to Texas. I'm never going to live in Texas. You know, um, but yeah, I mean, that's what they do too. They, they do these cold readings and they'll get like, you know, six straight things wrong, but then they'll kind of hit on something. And then you're like, oh my God, this is magic. Right. And then you they know? know they got you. And then they just keep kind of going yeah, a little bit and going a little bit down that path and going down. that. That was the thing for a while. I remember uh, there were a lot of those TV psychics. I forget what the famous guy was. There was one that was famous. I forget his name. It doesn't matter. But um they were like, you know, the ones that were channeling the dead or whatever, and they would, you know, talk to the family members and be like, you have a aunt, an uncle, a cousin, They're like a cousin, like ah, a cousin, yeah. Like, you would just say things, and then they would, like, they would perk up, like, oh, yeah, my aunt, she recently died. They're like, okay, cool, let's go down that path. And, like, it was kind of funny to watch them sort of manipulate the whole system. And, and but again, like, I don't know. It, it, it well, they're, they're sometimes professional. I buy into that. They're, sometimes I buy into it, like you said. Sometimes you're they're like, they're oh. though. They know how to read you, and they know how to, uh, once they have you hooked, like you said before, they know the paths. They know how to read your body language and know when you're buying into their, to their hustle, and they know where to go with it. It's you know, it's it's a, it's a skill like anything else. You know, it's a hustler skill like anything else. But uh, I'm I'm kind of like bothered that the psychic used the word breasts. Don't say breasts. I hate that word. <laughs> I mean, just say tits. You know, I think I say breasts for breasts is so like, like. Yeah, it's just gr- like bosom. Like, who says breasts or bosom? Those are gross words. You know, it's a little cringe. But I, uh, I, I get why she did because boobs is maybe a little too, um, maybe a little too casual. Just say titties. You know? See, I feel like that's a little too <laughs> crude, isn't it? Like, say titties and then snap your fingers and point. Right? <laughs> right. Say titties. This now, girl's now, was, this, was, titties. This, was this current girlfriend that you were with? Did she not have yeah. the, uh, the 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 large bosom? Rich, I have a type. Brunettes with large breasts. <laughs> okay. Well, okay. So, like, um, all right. So, you're saying that this this psychic took a total shot in the dark, but it's like, 
it's not really a shot. Yeah, <laughs> right. Like, he kind of just guessed who your type was. Like, obviously, you walk in with a, a large bosomed, uh, you know, brunette that, yeah, they can kind of assume that that's probably the Jolanta type. Here's where you, you trip up the psychic a little. TLB got the breast implants. So technically, you see where I'm going with mm-hmm. this? I see, I see. Unless the psychic saw that, too. Wow. Crazy. Makes you, gotta, you think. Yeah, you gotta call this woman again. <laughs> see. Oh, she puts curses on people. I, Why would <laughs> This is an evil this is an evil psychic. Yeah, I mean This is a Vince McMahon gimmick. He would he, I'm surprised he hasn't thought of it yet. You know, this is like an evil psychic that puts like the fucking curses on you and, and, and you know, this is kinda of, basically you're going to see Papa Shango. You don't want that. Right, right. Well WCW had uh, what was it? Uh, it was Gary Spivey. Remember? Gary Spivey, Gary Spivey yeah. appeared for a little bit and he, he peered into Mr. Hair. Wonderful's future and yeah, I knew that uh, he was bad or something. I forget what it was exactly. But well, he's trying to motivate Mr. Wonderful. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, Gary Spivey was a real psychic. Like he was one of them telephones, uh, them nine hundred number psychics that were real big at the time. You know, the uh, I don't think he was Psychic Friends Network, but he had his own little little crime syndicate going with the psychic shit. Dion Warwick was the big proponent of the Psychic Friends Network. Remember that shit? I do. Yeah, yeah, high, yeah. yeah. You know, and then you get these celebrity endorsements, and it just, it, again, it suckers in these vulnerable people. You feel bad for them. People spend a lot of money on that shit. You know, I, I can, I just gave you an anecdote. You know, who knows? She, this girl probably spent thousands when I was with her, and who knows what she's done since. <laughs> What's well, I said? There's like, you know, on my way to work, I pass like five or six different one of these like strip mall places that I know they're paying the rent somehow. <laughs> you know what I mean? So someone's going in, uh, and someone's, and there was just a new one that just opened like literally like three months ago, and I'm like, what? Who? <laughs> the world like who in the world needed a new one like like i said there's there's not you know if you really need a psychic it's not hard to find one around here but then the new one opened and i'm like what how is this possible how could a new like a new like you assume that every psychic has just basically been doing it since like 1984 right like you would never assume that a new one would open but it did like it like rehabbed an entire building got it all up to speed and i'm like what the you know driving by every day wondering what the hell are they putting in this building this is really weird they started installing like purple lights and stuff and i'm like this is bizarre what the hell is going in here and then there's a fucking psychic you know sign up there and i'm like what the hell it's just 20 dollar readings 20 dollar readings i might i might slide in but they discover their powers last week you know (laughs) right it doesn't make any (laughs) sense you know remember sylvia brown and she told montel williams he was gonna like die and then he actually ended up getting the disease but he's still alive and well and she ended up dying so i don't it's know like, if i remember sylvia brown who's well, montel would always have her on the montel williams show it was oh like, i remember her she always looked yeah. like she had just died like <laughs> like hours ago yes i do remember this she had like a she, she sounded like she smoked like 10 packs a day she had blonde hair and she was kind of overweight she was maybe in her 60s um and then there's and then there was john edward ended up getting his own show. Yeah, oh, that that's the guy that I was thinking. He was the one that did like the really leading questions or whatnot. Yes. And, and, and I grew up with with him being a pretty big deal at that time. And I remember even maybe watching <laughs> that show uh at, at times. And yeah, it was yeah, he was the guy who would always do a really good job of like just saying words and then when you would sort of react to that word, he would kind of go down that path or whatnot. There was a, there was a you know, I remember at the time a lot of like YouTube videos or whatnot sort of explaining, okay, here's how he does what he does and uh really because he he what he did it would amaze you. Like, you know what I mean? But it was like and he was a little younger and a little more charismatic, so that helped him too. I think he was like in his early thirties or something when he when he had his T V show and he was at his peak. But but yeah, he would do those leading questions, but then he would have like crazy detail. And my whole like, explanation for that would always be 
well, it's a fucking TV show. Who knows what they're editing out? Exactly. Yeah, they, they don't. They don't edit in the times where he's like, "Hey, your aunt died," and she, and they're like, "My aunt never died," and they're like, "All right, never mind, <laughs> we're done." Like, yeah. that's not making the cut, you know. So it's like, you know, he could have been in that room with those people for eight hours for all we know, and they got forty-two minutes of usable footage. So it's like you could even explain, but but you know, he did have some fucking wild shit. Like he'd be like. He'd be like, oh, I feel there's a presence behind you. And he'd nail the person's name. But who knows what they cut out before that? He might have guessed 16 different names. <laughs> right, John, Tommy, Tim, Tim, you know. Before Steve, he tipped, Steven, you know. <laughs> and then finally he goes Ralph. And you're like, oh, my God, it is Ralph. You know, and, and then off you go, you know. Uh, but, yeah, some of them are very convincing. Uh, but, you know, I don't know. I, despite the fact that I have that very close personal anecdote, I still don't buy it. Yeah, that's fair. But I, I I hope it's true. I want to be the fucking spirit hanging out, like behind TLB, you know, fucking haunting her. Because I, you know, I I'd, I'd like to I keep my contact. Is it haunting if if you're like hanging out with your wife? Like, I mean, it technically that's haunting, right? I guess I mean, so. Yeah, are you like knocking down you know plates and shit to <laughs> let her know you're there? Like, what, what, I don't know. We have to haunt. I, you could just you know you could do something nice too. I think, right? Maybe you can get down. Right? Is there a way to? Like, if you can, like, knock down plates and blow out candles and stuff, can't you, uh, you figure out what? a whole, like, hey, yeah. on, yeah, right? Yeah. Operate a gimmick or something, uh, you know? Something. She, has, she probably has to do most of the work, but I, th- I think you could probably, you know. I mean, I'm a hard worker, Rich. <laughs> if anybody could do it, Joe, it's you. I, I, I I'm a hard worker. I'd figure out a way, you know? But uh, I don't know. So that's my little uh, psychic story. There you go. Well, um that was a deep, <laughs> early 20 minutes uh, of the Voices Wrestling uh, Flagship Podcast. Talked about Pop-Tarts last time, and now we're talking about death, ghosts, yeah. psychics. Let's, let's go Rick the Supersonic. Timestamp that one. <laughs> <laughs> Give it to me. Give me that timestamp. 2456 if you want to. But yeah. we could keep it, you know what I mean? Like, we, we could say we're done, and we could keep it going. Like, you got to throw the intro in there, and then we're still going here. Mm-hmm. You know, We should swerve him one week. And start to do a little wrestling and then go back to the off topic. Right, yeah. Do half of the like AEW right. Revolution preview and then yeah. go back to the psychic discussion as we, you know. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Think about it more than, yeah, tough to, for people to handle. But anyway, yeah, we have plenty to get to uh, today. We're going to talk about AEW Revolution going on this weekend. A ton of stuff going on in New Japan for wrestling. We have New Japan Cup. Uh, we have the full bracket there. And Joe, we are going to do a live pick em again like we did last year. So you and I are going to agree on picks. We're doing the New Japan Pick'em again at Voices Wrestling, so you and I are going to agree on picks, and it'll be at our official flagship bracket. Are you okay with that? Yeah, yeah. Okay, we're going to do it. We're, it's, it's always right. It's I'm not going to look at last year's standings, but I'm positive we were 100%. Right. We got every match right. <laughs> right. So this I, is the production meeting right now, because I didn't know about this. Yeah, I was, well, was going to spring it on you, because I think it's it, it's good to know, because I don't want you thinking of the picks and, you know, going, you know, I don't want, like, you know, you to really kind of hone in on the you know last second so uh cork and hall bunch of shows going on there manabu nakanishi's retirement show uh shingo versus ishii a lot of other stuff going on there as well uh the new japan anniversary show so we're gonna talk about that as well we have a full card uh for that and then some other uh, news and notes and anecdotes and stuff we have a uh, wrestlemania weekend uh non wrestlemania shows the uh, update on ticket sales and how they're going not good <laughs> It's spoiler, not good. Uh, the Blood Money show is coming up this week as well. Processing Noah's got some stuff, so we have uh, plenty to get to. Before uh, before we do all that, though, Joe, I do want to let you know this episode of the Voice of Wrestling Flagship Podcast is sponsored by our friends at ZipRecruiter. They're back. Welcome, ZipRecruiter, back to the Voice of Wrestling Podcast. And, Joe, you know this. We've talked about it before. Hiring used to be hard. Multiple job sites, stacks of resumes, a confusing review process. But today, hiring can be easy, and you only have to go to one place. 
to get it done. That's ZipRecruiter.com slash VOW, ZipRecruiter.com slash VOW. ZipRecruiter sends your job to over 100 of the web's leading job sites, and they don't stop there. Their powerful matching technology scans thousands of resumes to find the right people with the right experiences and invites them to apply to your job. You can even add screening questions to your job listing so you can filter candidates out and focus on the best ones right away. ZipRecruiter is so effective, Joe. Get this. Four out of five employers who post on ZipRecruiter get a quality candidate within the first day. And you're somebody who has done hiring before. Getting you know a quality candidate within the first day of throwing an application out there, that's big. That's huge. That just doesn't happen. The old school style where you're throwing out resumes or putting stuff on cork boards and shit. That, that, a quality candidate within the first day, unheard of. Uh, right now, uh, you can try ZipRecruiter for free. Go to ZipRecruiter.com slash V-O-W. That's ZipRecruiter.com slash V-O-W. One more time. ZipRecruiter.com slash V-O-W. ZipRecruiter, the smartest way to hire. I was a little late on the mute on that one. <laughs> I apologize to, uh, to our friends at ZipRecruiter. I came back and I'm like, oh, shit. This wasn't muted. Uh, it was. Is it all good? It's or, all good. Uh, oh yeah, everybody right. knows. Everybody knows about ZipRecruiter.com slash VOW. They know right. quality candidate within the first day. They know all that stuff. ZipRecruiter.com slash VOW okay. for free. You can try it out for free. So our old friends, our our new friends, ZipRecruiter. I'm glad to have them back in the fold. So you couldn't tell I was taking a leak. I believe I heard that on the side because there was a there was a brief moment of silence, and then I heard what appeared to be Joe taking a leak. So um. ZipRecruiter.com slash VOW. So, All right, let's do it. so managers yeah. like Joe can hire you. So. That's right. If, if you notice, I still didn't replace that ball cock. How long ago did your mother tell me about oh, at that least four cock? or five years ago at this point? Yeah. Yeah. It's been yeah. a while. I can't Rich's believe that. Mother, I can't believe that ball cock is still faulty. It's Rich's fun. mother schooled me on ball cocks, probably going all the way back to 2014 or so, I would say. Um, and you know how I know that because I haven't recorded the show in this particular room since about that time. So, um, I should, I, I you know, don't oh, that's tell your why, mom. Oh, Cause I, I was wondering, yeah, I was wondering like, cause I, I hadn't, you know, you, you still do, you know, sometimes we'll get on the air and you're like, Hey, I'll be right back. I gotta, you know, take a leak or whatever. Not on the air. We'll get, we'll get on the call or whatever. Yeah, and, yeah. and I never hear it. I'm like, Oh, that's good. Joe, you know, went and did that. Cause you know, the, the background for people that don't know is, is one time I think on the podcast, you, maybe you went to the bathroom or, or something happened and I heard this like horrible noise in the background. I'm like, what the hell is that noise? You're like, I don't know. My bad. My toilet makes that noise or whatever. Yeah. And, and my mom the next day sent me a text message saying, tell Joe he needs a new ball cock. <laughs> I'm like, what? Ball cock, yeah. What the ball hell are you cock. talking about? <laughs> She's like, I had your dad listen to it and he says that Joe needs a new ball cock. And I'm like, yeah. Like, okay. <laughs> like, because sometimes she listens. I, I don't, I don't think she always listens, but sometimes she does. And then that right. was a particular time where, where she listened and, and, uh, she, she admonished your, uh, you know, faulty ball cock and, I have a faulty ball cock. Absolutely. Um, we may have a sponsor later that could help with a faulty ball cock. I was going to say, yeah, that could work maybe. Like, uh, a, little, a little teaser there. But yeah, um, I didn't even know that piece of the fucking toilet was called a ball cock until your mother informed me that it was called a ball cock. So um, I want to thank uh, the Krage family over there for filling me in. Yeah, a little, ro- little Rose and Rich helping out there, yeah. I don't know how to do it. It's probably something very simple that like <laughs> I, think, I think it literally idiot. takes thirty seconds, but yeah, forget that. Yeah. No, I, but I'm I, gonna I'll I'll wait for my brother to come into town or something and I'll send him to Home Depot to get a ball cock. Right. Well here here's okay, so here's I can do a lot of stuff around the house. Like I'm not great at it, but I can do a lot of stuff. But I always say that like I want to stay away from any plumbing and any electricity. Yeah. Because you fucked those up yeah. and my God, what have you done? 
Yeah. You know, you blow the blow the whole house and like you're not doing anything. <laughs> you know, the the electricity's out, you're not doing shit. Like I I can't function without electricity for more than like 5 seconds. I just don't know what to do. I have no concept of of other stuff that you can do with your life if your electricity's out or whatever. So that's just completely ruined for me. And then like, yeah, plumbing, like we had a thing where like our drains weren't working for like 2 days and I had to shower at work and do all, it's a disaster. It's like a, and I don't want to be like installing a fucking ball cock and blow, you know, our f- fucking you know, Toilet never works again, and our shower's backing up just because I try to install one little thing. I'm sure I wouldn't screw it up. I'm sure I could do it. But, man, if I screw it up, it, we're, we're, we're done for days. So uh, Yeah, exactly. I had a guy in here the other day working on a light fixture, and he's uh, he's saying to me, your fuse box isn't labeled. Do you know which uh, fuse controls? <laughs> and I, and Bad I, question for Joelette. <laughs> well, I looked at the guy. I said, buddy, that's why I'm paying you. I'm like, I got no idea. So... I'm paying you to risk electrocution. This is why you're here. If I knew, I would be doing this shit. So he just laughed at me, and uh, I'm like, just turn off. I'll tell you what. Just, like, flip off the entire left side. Like, that's what I would do. You know, just cover all bases. Right. So, anyway, um, my light fixture's fixed. That's good. Congratulations. But, uh, yeah. yeah, thank you. Thank you very much. You know, call a guy. That's the way you got to do <laughs> Sat it. Sat down and watched the spring training baseball all a guy it, risked exactly his life. Yeah, well, a guy exactly risked his life getting you a new yeah. fucking light fixture. So yeah, he's in the kitchen on the fucking ladder fixing the light fixture. Uh, you know, potentially and, inches away from death at any moment. So three year olds asking him annoying questions, and I'm in here with my feet up, you know, watching a meaningless baseball game. Yeah, that's the way to live, my man. Yeah, watching some raised Red Sox oh, training action or whatever. Yeah. So. Yeah, absolutely. All right, let's get to this AEW Revolution show coming up this Saturday. I will be there live at the Wintrust Arena. I am looking forward to this show a lot. Joe, we've talked about the build for this uh, for, for a while. You've been talking about it in the TV reviews. Of course, the AEW, we talked about AEW kind of on a roll and last week's show as well. But, you know, before we go match by match and kind of talk about it, you know, overall, you know, Revolution, what, what are your thoughts on this show? Like, what, are, how, your excitement level, your the, the overall thoughts on the build, all that sort of stuff? Because I think this has been... More than, I mean, Double or Nothing was the one where it was like, okay, let's see what these guys have. So there was an excitement level about that. But I haven't felt this, you know, this excited or this pumped for a show of AEWs since that Double or Nothing show, really. Like, Full Gear, all these other ones, they were fine. I enjoyed them when they happened or whatnot. But, but like, yeah, this this feels like a special show. This feels like there's some some palpable buzz going on around it. Yeah, I, I mean, we talked about it a little bit. Um either last week or the week before. I can't remember what show it was. But I think this is a very interesting test case for where pay-per-view is with pro wrestling in 2020. I mean, we know, you know, uh, I haven't seen the estimates for the uh, Tyson Fury uh, Wilder fight, but, you know, everyone, uh, you know, I saw people thinking that that could do as many as 2 million buys. And we know, uh, you know, when Floyd Mayweather uh, has fought in recent years, he's, he's crushed it. We know that, your Conor McGregor's of the world and people like that were still crushing it in MMA, but pro wrestling, we really haven't had a good test case since 2014. Like we talked about a couple of weeks ago. And I think this show is a great test case because now, you know, AEW uh, has been on TV for a number of months and the build for this show. I mean, there's the only way to describe it has been impeccable. I think this has been just a superlative pay-per-view build with hot matches up and down the card. I think every match they've announced so far is hot to some extent or to its placement uh, relative, uh, its relative placement on the card. I mean, everything's hot. Everything feels hot. So if, if this show 
does above and beyond the 100,000 buys that AEW has consistently put up for their pay-per-views, that tells us that you know, charging 50, 60 bucks for a wrestling pay-per-view is, is still a viable strategy in 2020. Uh, I think if they do the same 100,000 buys that they've always done or, or less, then what that tells us is there's a hardcore contingent of 100,000 AEW fans who are going to buy all of the pay-per-views. And uh, the rest of the uh, wrestling fans are just, it, it's not part of the, 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 the culture anymore to, to pay $60 for a show. Um, unless maybe it's WrestleMania or Royal Rumble or something like that. Um, and I think because the show and the build has been so hot that this is a perfect test case to, uh, to see. Because, uh, I mean, I can't imagine AEW being any hotter, uh, realistically being any hotter going into a show. Uh, you know, they've, they've, they've gotten their ratings back up and they've gotten their viewership back up. Uh, you know, where, where they had dipped down into the 700,000s and then, you know, they've gotten it back up after the start of the year where they're, where they're touching their, you know, touching 950 and flirting with a million again some weeks. And, and the shows have all been uh, critically acclaimed and they've all been in front of red hot crowds and all of the matches feel hot. Mm-hmm. So by traditional measures, the way we used to assess these things, we would all be predicting a big pay-per-view if this was like 2010, you know, because uh, this, you know, for people who don't remember, that's how these things would go, you know, uh, how was the build? Oh, well, I don't know. It was so, so the main event doesn't feel too hot. I don't think this pay-per-view is going to do very well. I say it does. And then you throw a number out there. Like we haven't been able to do that in a number of years because of the, the network and because of no other viable company there, you know, on national television running pay-per-view. So we'll see. I, I, I am almost as curious about the business this show does as the show itself. Cause the show looks great. Yeah, and I think it's a really good point that you brought up that that it's like this is the best test case because short of, you know, having John Cena appear on, on a show or whatnot, or short of, you know, The Rock, like you said, you know, showing up at AEW, like this is this is the best shot AEW has in terms of 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 they've put their top stars in top positions with good builds. Good matches, matches that have been built for a while, matches that have you know real fan investment in them. It's a loaded card. I mean, the top five matches, as you said, every single part of those have you know some sort of story to them, some sort of backing to them. The top three matches, I think, have all been built up tremendously. I mean, honestly, you could add a fourth there with with Darby Allen and Sammy Guevara as well. But like you know, they're big money matches. Jericho and Moxley, of course, uh, Cody MJF, the you know the, the Bucks, Omega Page, like all the heavy hitters are here. All the big guys are in big spots in big matches or whatnot. So yeah, it, it is going to be the absolute best test case that, you know, what, what is viable for AW moving forward? Because like, I don't know, like, I don't want to say it doesn't get any better than this, but like, as far as what AEW's roster is right now and what, what we, what, what the company is constructed as right now, this is like, this feels like the best, you, you know what I mean? Like this feels like everything kind of coming together for one show at one point. And, and, and I'm really, really, really interested to see, you know, what this buy rate does, because yeah, I would, I would like to see, I, I think we would all like to see, I think every wrestling fan should want to see it pop a big number because if it's it, it, like you said, if it's right back to the 100,000 or 150,000 or whatever, then it's basically like, all right, like we're basically chasing the same fans here. Like there's no new fans. Nobody's ever going to watch any wrestling ever. Like, you know what I mean? Like it, it would feel kind of depressing because you have WWE who seems to just kind of be grabbing to the same couple of, you know, million fans that they've had and, and a few thousand fall off every single year or whatever. And AEW comes out and, and, you know, they have some new fans, but not really a ton. Like it would be awesome to see the show just like, 
prove a that like you know a, a good build to a pay per view, a strong build to a pay per view, a a, a well developed build, you know, with critically acclaimed shows or whatnot results in a big buys, and it would also show us too that like you know. That that economy of like you said the pay per view economy for 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 wrestling still exists because that's good for WWE as well. Let's 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 not make any. We're not you know people. Oh, you guys are rooting for AEW. You want AEW to succeed and you want AEW to win. Well, I want every company to succeed. I want every company to win. And if you're a WWE fan, I think you want AEW Revolution to have three hundred thousand pay per view buys or two hundred fifty thousand pay per view buys because you're about to get back in this marketplace. You know the new WWE Network. The way it's going to be structured, if it is sold, which, you know, again, we were told on the conference call, it is probably going to happen. It's imminent that it's going to happen at some point. They're coming back into that market as well. So for WB, they have to be looking at this and going, okay, what is the market for 50 to 45 to $60 pay-per-views or whatever? If there's still a market out there, if there are still fans that will, will, will buy into a good build and a well-developed show, then that's good news for wrestling fans because now AEW knows, okay, cool, here's how we do this. We, we, we need to give you good stuff. We need to build these pay-per-views and make them big deals or whatnot, and, and that's good for, for wrestling fans. But then WWE also sees that as well and goes, okay, we're going to re-answer this marketplace, and we just can't do bullshit shows you know, if we want to make this new network or new whatever structure that we're going to do viable. So, so everybody should be paying attention to this. Everybody should keep their eyes on this because this is huge and has huge ramifications for all of pro wrestling. Given where things are going, because you know, for the la- like you said, the last six years, I think we just we just celebrated, I think, the sixth year anniversary of the WWE Network. For six years, there was this model of pro wrestling. It was the nine ninety nine, everything streaming, everything under one umbrella, yada yada, all that sort of stuff. But we're seeing that WWE now is sort of resigned to the fate, or 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 you know, maybe waving the white flag and saying, okay, maybe that's not a great model moving forward. Maybe this isn't the model we need to be doing, you know, moving forward. And 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 AEW kind of bucked that trend and said, okay, no, 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 we're going to go back to kind of the old school model here. You know, we're going to go back to the the, the big time pay-per-views, the quarterly pay-per-views, the full money things or whatever. So, you know, they took a risk by doing that. And I would say it's paid off so far for what they've done, but I'm really, really excited to see if it pays off a ton here because this is, that'd be big news for everybody. Big, wrestling fans, WWE, anybody involved in wrestling, you know, knowing that there are fans out there willing to pay 60 bucks for a well-built show will, will, will just be, yeah, it'll be tremendous news for everybody. I think if they do the same hundred thousand, I don't think it's uh, necessarily a death knell on the idea that pay per view is still viable because a hundred thousand is a good number and they'll take it. It just feels like this show is hotter than their than their previous pay per view, and it feels like there should be some growth here. But maybe what that will tell us is it's going to take some time to reteach the audience that to see the biggest matches you've got to pay fifty, sixty bucks to do so. You have to untrain all of those all of those brains and that and 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 you know and i'm sure wwe and the people negotiating with wwe are watching this very closely as well you know so you know whether it's uh espn plus or or dazone or whoever ends up buying the rights to these pay-per-views they have to make a decision are we going to buy the rights to these pay-per-views and just fold them into our 599 package or are we going to charge people x amount of dollars are we going to charge people first to subscribe and then if they're subscribers, they're paying for the right to purchase these things for X amount of dollars. You know, so I'm sure uh, those entities are watching closely to decide what path they want to go down. I'm sure WWE is watching closely. And, uh, you know, this is a big pay-per-view for the industry for all the reasons we just talked about. And I- I'm glad that it's a well-built one because if it was a so-so build or a shitty build, I don't know if it would give us a lot of information. Uh but I, I fully expect if, if 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 we're still operating under the old model, uh, under the way the old model, I mean, this would 
undoubtedly be a pay-per-view that would show growth yeah. based on the build. So it's going to be real interesting to see how it turns out. But um, I guess let's take a look at the matches. Let's do it. Yeah, so so full disclosure, we're recording this on Tuesday night, uh, the 25th. So uh, this is before Dynamite is aired. So if they add anything at Dynamite, if something dramatically changes in the build or whatnot, we, you know, again, we record this on a Tuesday. So uh, just let you know. But uh, we'll, we'll start right at the top. I could, give I, that, I could give that psychic a call and see if she has the rest of the card. That's not a bad idea. Could you do that while, you know, I'll, I'll run down this card here. <laughs> you give her a quick call. And what see. if she puts a curse on Voices of Wrestling? That's fine. Everybody, I, I'm sure people have tried that already. So um. you probably wouldn't pay to reverse it, right? You just let <laughs> Thank it. Thank God. <laughs> Please. Yeah. Kill this thing dead. Please take this out of my misery, so I can. Yeah. Enjoy my life again. No, I, what if I, she's I, like, Joe's going to do a podcast with a large-breasted brunette in Kansas? It's going to happen. You know, you'd be like, cool, sweet. You know, <laughs> you know. Good for her. Yeah, I hope she makes some money. So that's good. Um. No, oh, I love doing this. Are you kidding? Come on. Uh, all right. So, Christian, I, hey, I'm going to Revolution. Can't wait. So, wrestling. Maybe I'll do it OnlyFans with the large breast. That's, I was going to say, there's probably better things you could be doing with a breast brunette from Kansas than. Who wants to pay to watch Lanza lay it down? How yeah, about that? Yeah. Right. Have you talked to the CLB about this, or as long as you're cutting the checks? Uh, no comment on that. Okay. All right. Anyway, AEW uh, <laughs> Revolution here. Start from the top. Chris Jericho uh, defending the AEW World Championship against John Moxley. Uh, this was, and it's it's pretty interesting. We talked about a lot of of how AEW has to kind of retrain fans and, and get people used to maybe the the new style of 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 their wrestling or the old style or whatever whatever it is their house style, the way that they're going to tell stories, the way that they're going to build matches, the way that win loss records are going to work, the way that he'll face dynamic, like all that sort of stuff is going to have to be a little bit of a relearning period. Well, I remember when when this build started, which which at this point feels like it was like two or three months ago that this build started. You know, the Chris Jericho, John Moxley thing. The, the, the thing we heard from everybody is, well, how the hell are they going to get all the way to the, you know, they're going to get all the way to Revolution. It's fucking November. How are they going to do that? And I get it. Like, there is a whole generation of wrestling fans that don't know anything more than a 30-day build, that don't know anything more than a two-week build, that don't know anything more than that. So the idea that they were going to, you know, have this thing ready to go for five months ahead of time was unheard of. Like, even I was like, ah, what are you guys going to do? This is going to get boring by five months. But we're here, Joe. <laughs> you know what I mean? We're here. You know, we're a few days away from it. And I think they did a tremendous job. They had to break away a little bit with the, you know, the Santana story. You had the car involved. You had Moxley one by one kind of taking the other guys out. You have the Jeff Cobb story in there. They just they they were able to get there. And it's it, it it's you know again it's a relearning that like not everything is going to follow the WWE structure the way that WWE has told stories over a while. And we're starting to finally see it a little bit maybe in this build and in this match particularly that it's like okay look there's gonna be different ways to tell these stories and 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 aw has proven here that they can tell a good long-term story and keep it going and keep you exciting keep you ready to go because yeah this thing got announced in like november that this match was gonna happen it might even been earlier than that but i still cannot fucking wait to see this on saturday but jericho and moxie what do you think about the build and and i guess what do you think about the match we talked a little bit about it uh, last week but you know who do you think you know can emerge uh, victorious here I I never worried about that. I didn't. Um, I actually prefer this. I prefer. Oh God, yes. Are you kidding? Three months in between, it's so much better. You know, where you're not just rushing through the next pay per view cycle, and it just it allows you to not burn through your stories as quickly. I mean, you're doing one pay per view a month. We'd be on Jericho's like seventh opponent at this point. Think about that. It's ridiculous. This is so much better. Uh, the only question is, can you execute it? And I was confident that this group could execute it because I know that people like uh, Tony Khan and Cody, I was confident that they, you know, uh, and Jericho, for that matter, I was confident that people like that uh, could handle this. 
uh, three month build uh, to these matches. It's and as long as you can handle it and space out these stories, it's it's far superior than the one month model. Now the one month model, obviously, it, that comes down. Look, WWE would would have much rather have done fewer pay, but it's it's a matter of driving revenue. So I understand that too. You know, the more pay per views you're going to do, the more money you're putting in the coffer. So I get it. Um, but it's a much preferable from a storytelling perspective and from just not burning through things to space things, these things out more. And I think they've done a great job and I was pretty confident they would. I saw a lot of people concerned with that. And, uh, but, but I, I, I never really worried, worried about that. Uh, as far as the build for, for Jericho Moxley, I think you nailed all the key points. They've kept Moxley busy in a believable way where it doesn't just feel like they've kept him busy. Right. Everything, they, everything they've had him doing was had something to do with the story, whether it was trying to gouge his eye out, and then his eye became a, a big uh, focus of the story, and then the stuff with uh, with Proud and Powerful, which I think elevated those two guys. Absolutely. They, oh, man, that's, that story's been fantastic. Yeah, I mean, they seemed a little directionless. I mean, you know, maybe you knew them from Impact or from the Indies or whatever, but as far as AEW, they were nothing more than Jericho's lackeys until this story. And now it's like Ortiz is firmly established as the crazy one. And Santana has a ton of character depth now with the blind father. And he's more the serious one. And now those guys have a little bit of depth that they didn't have before. So not only did they, they keep Moxley and Jericho warm and progressively build that story and heat that up. Then they did the whole tease whether Moxley was going to join their circle. They did they did a lot of good things there, but they also helped a lot of the peripheral characters along the way. So I mean, again, I mean, if you think this, if this is a, if you're not if you're, if you're someone who doesn't like AEW or wants to hear somebody beat on AEW, I don't think you're going to get that on this show today because I, I I just call it like I see it. And if you want to hear me bury AEW, go listen to my reviews behind the paywall of the, of the TVs in December. You can right. get we, we start a flagship. I think I, I forget the exact day, but there was a flagship that was literally a, an hour and twenty five minutes of you and I just bitching and moaning about everything that they've been doing wrong. <laughs> you know yeah. what I mean? It was just terrible. And and people there took notice too. So it's like go listen to that if 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 you know or skip this segment because I have nothing but good things to say about this pay-per-view build because I think it's been excellent. I don't even have the right adjective, but, and, and this story has, uh, has, you know, for all the reasons we stated uh, is, is a big part of that. Um, as far as the results, I mean, I think we talked about it a little bit last week. I don't know that any result would really surprise me. I think Jericho probably should win here, but like if Moxie walked out as champion, I wouldn't be super, super surprised, but I think there's so much more uh, you can do with Jericho as champion right now. And it seems like that character has so much more depth and, and so many different ways it can go. And, and, and more than anything, I just want that title to be so important that it's like it's held by one guy for like a year plus. You know what I mean? Where when that guy eventually does beat him, it's like so obvious that that's the guy who has to beat him. And that's not to say that Moxley hasn't done a great job in this story and that Moxley hasn't been built up well. Again, I'd be fine if Moxley won. It'd be, it'd be fine with me. But I just I, I like Jericho champion now, and I kind of like the story that they're doing with it. So I, I I would personally like to see Jericho win, and I think that Jericho will win. But again, I wouldn't be totally surprised about Moxley. But but where, where, where do you kind of stand on that? I don't know. I, I don't know. It it feels too soon to take it off Jericho, but it also feels like the right timing to put it on Moxley. So depending on how they get to whatever result they have planned, 
um, I'm going to take a cop-out answer and just, I want to see how they get to whatever story they're going to tell here. And then I'll have an opinion then. Um, Because I don't know if there's necessarily a wrong choice unless I don't like the path that they, 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 they take, they took to get there. Um, What I am confident in is that they know where they're going after this match. That I'm confident in because they've started, they've begun to prove that. I'm now confident that they've got solid long-term directions for the top stuff. And no matter who wins this match, I think they've got at least a plan in place for where that person's going to go and what they're going to be doing on the next show. And I think that's uh, the most important thing. And I'll make my determination of whether I thought they made the right call after I see the call that's made and how they get there. Cause I, I, at this point, I don't have a strong feeling like, Oh, this guy should win. Mm -hmm. I don't have that feeling for this match. I think there's a good argument either way. Jericho is is their is their top draw. I mean, you look at the ratings and the quarter hours, he's their biggest ratings mover. It's indisputable. So from that perspective, it's like, but you can still have him on TV every week without the title. See, that's the other side of it. You know, and 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 Moxley, it just feels like they've heated him up to the point where I can envision him winning the title being a, a good moment and a big moment. And he's been a good uh, ratings mover as well. It's not like, you know, he's not someone who they've attempted to push and he didn't catch on and he isn't hot. He's one of their top three stars as well in terms of moving the numbers. So, and then we'll find out after the pay-per-view if these guys move the pay-per-view number, you know? So I don't know. I really don't know which way they're going to go. I think it's a coin flip kind of match. Uh, MJF versus Cody. This is just a straight singles match at this point. Obviously, been Cody's been put through the gauntlet by MJF. Uh, had the cage match against Wardlow. Had this match, this, and this, like the whippings, the the every single thing that he's had to do to get to this point. And now we're finally here. MJF versus Cody. This even more than Jericho and Moxley. I cannot fucking wait for this match, Joe. I this has been to me the best build in, in, that I've had in, in, in wrestling in, in some time because it's simple. It's, it's, it, it's just, yeah, it, it, it's just classic. It has so much classic pro wrestling in it as so much, you know, Cody influence. You can tell where he's, you know, gaining this knowledge from or where he's bringing this knowledge in from. It's obvious that this is old kind of territory stuff, but I just love it, man. He just got to get through all these obstacles to finally get his hands on this guy that turned his back on him. And it's just, it, it, it's so simple yet at the same time, there's been so many different, you know, things that they've done in the build to make it that much better. And the end result is basically that MJF is the most hated fucking heel in the universe. He's going to get booed out of the building and Cody's going to be the biggest fucking star in that entire place and the place is going to go absolutely nuts for him. And it's like, you know, at the end of the day, wrestling's not that hard. We always say, you know, this stuff, this booking, yeah, it takes a little bit of time, a little bit extra time, a little bit of foresight, a little bit of balls, you know, all this sort of stuff, but it's not that hard when it gets down to it. And this is proof of it. Like, this is a very simple build, but man, I fucking love this build, and I cannot wait for this match. Uh, the match itself, I don't know how it's going to be, but I don't think it's going to matter because the, the the crowd's going to be molten hot the entire time. So it's like, yeah, MJF maybe isn't the best worker in the world, but, you know, Cody's going to do enough in that match to get the crowd behind him. MJF's going to do enough to get the crowd booing him, and, and, and yeah, the dynamics are perfect for it. So, yeah, if they go in there and have a 12-minute match or whatever, and, and, and Cody gets the win... You know, it's going to be exactly what everybody kind of wants. So I, I, I'm really looking forward to it. Uh, Joe, what have you thought about the build? And and, and maybe who do you see uh, winning here? Do you see MJF fucking over Cody or something happening? Or do you have Cody getting the, the big babyface win finally? I think this feud is so hot you can't blow it off yet. I think there's more money in it. Um, now, I think you got to be creative in the way that you extend it because they've really had Cody go through a literal gauntlet to get there. But... 
and, and look, I'm not even sure I would have done the match yet. I think I may have done the Wardlow match on this show and really milked Cody getting his hands on MJF and saved it for the next show. I mean, I really would have went that super old school route where people were frothing at the mouth for Cody to finally get their hands on this guy. And I think that that could have been a headlining match on its own. And you could have even saved a title match on the next pay-per-view because I think you could have headlined with MJF versus Cody non-title and, you know, done something else with your champion on, on, on a, on, on a, on the next pay-per-view. Cause I'm all about saving money matches. You know, you know, I'm big on that. So it's like my brain, the way I looked at this is like, man, they should milk this further. Cause it's hot enough to do so. Cody is the best baby face in wrestling right now, you know, relative to his promotion. And I don't think people would have cooled on the idea of Cody MJF if they hadn't gotten the match on this show. And I, I may have done the Wardlaw cage match on this show instead of on TV and, uh, and then done MJF at the, at the next show and really stretched it out and used that as my big draw on the next pay-per-view. But, um, that, you know, that's just me. But, yeah, it, this is the best feud in wrestling in terms of getting heat. Um, you know, if you could argue Nick Gage and Ricky Shane Page if you want, but that's an indie feud and it's in front of 300 people. Uh, you know, and, and and that's not me shitting on it, but it's just the reality of it. This is in major arenas where you know everyone's behind the the, the biggest baby face in wrestling and a heel who's just truly hateable that no one even roots for. Ironically, it's just that's what you want out of pro wrestling. This feud, everything about it's great, and um, and and Cody's over like a motherfucker, and um, and it's just awesome and. Just me with my business cap on, man, I would have tried to milk it for another three months. And I really think as hot as it is, you could have gotten away with it. And, and they might. I mean, yeah, Co- let's not forget who, you know, <laughs> Cody is Dusty's son. And, and, and Dusty wasn't one. You know, if he realized or he thought that there was a little bit more in there, if there was a little bit more in the chase, he would go for it. And, and I'm not. And, and that's why I kind of presented the question that way to you is I think a lot of people sort of assume and, and, and maybe rightfully so that Cody will go in there. He'll beat up MJF. He'll pin him and he'll win. And everybody will go, yay, Cody. But like. You know, you know, I'm with you. I think there's more there. I think that they can do more with this build. The, the issue is you don't want to overdo it. You don't want to overstep its bounds. You don't want to take too long for Cody to beat MJF. So I guess you just kind of sense where that story's going and decide there. But, but you know, in the moment right now, if I'm at that booking table, I kind of say, look, I think we can keep going with this thing. I don't think we need to start, you know, stop this right away. Whether it's MJF doing something nefarious to beat Cody, whether it's somebody turning on Cody, whether it's something that there's a lot of ways you can go in this that, that, that I think can allow this story to have a little bit more because I'm right with you. I think, you know, not, not that I'd be upset if Cody just won and, the, and that was the end of the feud, but I'm looking at, like you said, the business cap, the dollar signs, all that sort of stuff, thinking, you know what? We got a few more, you know, maybe a few more weeks and a few more months left in this story. So why blow it off right now? So so I'm kind of with you, even though that it, it, it's a tremendous risk to do that. But, you know, well, I don't, pay even, off. I don't even necessarily think that they'll blow it off. But the one thing that you can't ever get back is Cody finally getting your, his hands on him. That you cannot get back. Right, the bell will ring, and you'll be able to punch him in the middle of the ring, and the crowd will be yes. nuts for that. Yeah, that, that's, that's the moment. The moment we've been building to, and that's the moment you're paying for with this show. Okay, MJF could win the match, and honestly, I think he will win the match because I don't think the feud is over, and I think there's way more you can do with it. 
So you make people pay for Cody to finally get his hands on this guy, and then you make people pay again to see Cody beat him. I don't think you give both of those things away. So I'm just saying I would have just I would have extended the first act even further is what I'm saying. Because I think there was enough there where they could have done so. Look at all these crazy television angles. They did the whipping. They did the cage match. I mean, Rich, you could have done one of those things on the pay-per-view. You know, it, it's like, you know, and I'm not necessarily criticizing them. It's just two different, you know, you could have gone either way. Yeah, well, I actually, full disclosure, like a few weeks ago, I thought the cage match was on Revolution and that this MJF Cody thing hadn't happened yet. And then I remember... You know, maybe a week prior when they were saying, oh, next week is going to be the cage match. And I went, oh, all right. So MJF and Cody's at Revolution. Sweet. Like, you know, selfishly, I was like, sweet, awesome. Sounds good. But like in my head, the entire time I'd kind of for some reason, I don't know why, thought that Cody versus Wardlow Cage was at Revolution. And 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 maybe, like you said, maybe that would have been the better idea and the better thing to do. I don't think we would have like, you know, as somebody who's going there live, like I don't really think I would have, you know, I'd be perfectly fine if, if you know, we had this exact same card and then it was Cody versus Wardlow in the cage and it was exactly the same match that we saw there. I wouldn't go home upset. Like, not at all. That was a tremendous match. I love that thing. So no, that's, that's how I would have played it. I would have said, you want to get your hands on me? You got to beat my guy in the cage at Revolution. Right. I was kind of surprised they didn't do that. So, so yeah, yeah I, I'm right with you where I, I, for maybe, you know, in my own head, I thought, oh, yeah, well, you definitely booked that for the pay-per-view, and then MJF Cody happens uh, down the line. I mean, again, I'm not complaining that it's happening here, but um, I'm with you. I, I think there's some more money in there. But um, we'll do, you think this, do you think this is a good spot for AEW to do their first big-time, true screw job finish because of the two people who were involved? And I think we both agree that there's way more money in this thing. Do you think because they do them so now look, they've done stuff where like Kip Sabian gets a distraction win. I'm talking about big time in a real match. In a in a match that matters. Do you think this is a good spot because they haven't done it at all where it'll have impact? Or do you think it's too risky to go down that road? I think with MJF, you can get away with doing a bullshit finish, either MJF taking a powder or getting himself disqualified or getting counted out. Or blatantly cheating to win. Because I think it fits MJF. I think it properly extends the story. And I think it would get the right kind of heat. There's the risk it would get the wrong kind of heat. Now, I'm not talking about dopes on Twitter and bad faith saying, ah, it's the same as WWE. I'm talking about smart wrestling, booking, and fans who get it. Do you think that would be... You think this is a good spot to pull something like that, or do you still think it's too soon and too early in the promotion's life cycle? It is a delicate balance, and and, and one of the good things is you mentioned there that MJF is such a detestable character and such a hated character that if he does something where he screws over Cody or he does whatever, like you said, he, he cheats to win or he just leaves the match or he gets DQ'd or whatever – just that, a non-clean finish in some form. Right, I, whatever yeah. whatever it may be. is Because one, one of the big issues, and it's actually interesting, during the, the Super Raw tell-all that I'm doing, patreon.com uh, slash voices of wrestling as well, uh, Dave Meltzer in 1992, you know, sort of talks about how, um, or 93 rather, uh, talks about how, you know, screw job finishes these days have been done so much that, like, fans don't boo the wrestlers anymore. They boo the creative. They boo, you know, the company at this point. It's like, you know, reading that was so hilarious because that's, we're still going, we're still having that issue where in WWE when, you know, King Corbin does something annoying, people aren't booing King Corbin. They don't really give two shits about King Corbin. They're booing 
you know, Vince McMahon, they're booing WWE, they're chanting CM Punk, all that sort of stuff. And, and, and they've sort of cultivated that over the years and years and years of, of doing this, this sort of stuff. And, and a big reason why is because you don't have strong heels. You don't have heels that anybody really t- gives two shits about. So when they do something annoying or, or, or they do something bullshit or whatever, fans sort of look to the company and they look at the creative and they look at that sort of stuff. And that's kind of the delicate balance is that you don't want that to happen. You don't want fans to go, oh, my God, AEW fucked us over. Oh, they're doing a screw job finish or whatever. like all that sort of stuff. But as you said, MJF is such a detestable character and he's so good at selling it. And he's so good at sort of yanking all that, 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 you know, that heat and taking it for himself that he might be the perfect guy to do it with. Because I, I don't know that if, if MJF hit Cody over the head with a chair and then, you know, tossed a chair on the outside and pinned him or whatever, that fans wouldn't be pissed at MJF and would be pissed at AEW creative. Like, I really don't believe that. I don't buy that because MJF is such an asshole. And after the match, he wouldn't, he would do something to make you hate him even more. And he'd be so much of a detestable asshole that, that he would get all that heat. So I'm with you. If you're going to do it now is the time. And he's the guy to do it with. These kind of finishes are only have the reputation they have because they're overdone number one and they've been done so much as cop-outs when done well at the right time with the right people they're good finishes right that extend money-making programs so that's why i propose that i just don't know now look if AEW is going to stick to a strict clean finish policy in the matches that matter i'm all for that too i have no problem with that because i think that's that keeps you honest with your booking, and and it, it, you don't you don't even have the temptation. I don't know what it's like in the room. If Tony Khan is just an iron fist, and it's just we are never doing this, then that's good too. But I do think if you do them once a year in the right spots, they can be very effective, and they can go back to getting the kind of heat that they would get when territories would you know when Vern Gagne would do one angle per year in the AWA. You know, and it would always end up drawing big money. So I don't know. I just wanted to toss that out there. But at the end of the day here, I think MJF leaves this pay-per-view with the upper hand. Either by winning the match or winning it in a screwy way or finding a way to fuck Cody over. Because I just can't imagine they're blowing this thing off yet. All right, we'll move on to the next match here that I'm really excited to see as well. Kenny Omega and Hangman Page versus the Young Bucks. This is for the World Tag Team titles, of course, Omega and Page, uh, the champions. We talked about it a little bit last week. They fucked around and made Page like the biggest star in the company. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like this guy and, and, and you know, this story was all designed many, many months ago to be Page is going to turn heel and the elite are going to, you know, he's going to turn heel on the elite and break from the elite or whatever. And he's sort of broken from the elite and stuff. And he's kind of like a tertiary member of the elite, but not really kind of sort of the problem though, is that they've done such a good job with this page character that he's so over that. It's like, I, he, I don't know if he could be the heel anymore. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like I almost expect Omega to do something and they start booing Omega. Like is, is, is am I nuts? Is page, do I think he's more over than he is or do, are they at that level with him? No, he's on the verge of breaking out big. Um, they're on to something here. And it might be happening faster than they wanted it to. <laughs> you know what I mean? It might have to Like they can't turn him heel. They like they can't if they try to have Adam Page, yeah. you know, fuck over Kenny Omega here, I think the fans are gonna root for him because he's gonna grab a beer and everyone's gonna go, Yeah <laughs> He's gonna chug a beer and everyone's gonna go, Yeah And it's like I don't you can't really do the heel thing with this guy anymore. He blew right past it. You need to find a very clever way to go full heel with this guy if that's what you want to do. Um, 
if I'm in the room, I'm just, and that was the plan. It's not the plan anymore. It's okay. How do we peak this properly to give this guy a rocket pack singles push? Um, you don't complain if someone inadvertently gets over, you just go with it. Right. Um, you know, you don't suppress it. You know, we've seen how many examples over the years of WWE suppressing it. If it looks like someone might be catching on. And in a lot of cases, it might just be a short term thing or a live crowd thing. And maybe their instincts were right. But I've always been one to say, well, just go with it and find out, you know, because you might have lightning in the bottle uh, on your hands. But with Paige, I don't get the sense that this is like Zack Ryder getting over and everyone deep down knows it won't sustain and he's not going to be the next megastar. I think Adam Page can be. I think everyone would agree with that. And I think, you know, that was their long-term plan anyway. It just might be happening a little quicker than they thought. And like you're saying, it might be fucking up the story here, which ultimately may have been him turning heel. But the way that they book... I get the sense that they want you to think that the plan was for him to turn heel and there's a twist coming, you know, and whether that's the Bucks going heel or Mm -hmm. Omega, I don't know. But to me, I feel like they like to throw misdirections and they like to, it just, it feels too obvious and that's not really their style. So um, I don't know. All I know is he feels like he's the next big thing. Absolutely. Yeah, I, I, and I think there's a way where you can maybe do that story, like like you're saying, kind of <clears throat> not necessarily like Page turns on Omega or Omega turns on Page or the Bucks turn on Omega or um, um, uh, like there's what you could do is just have Page, you know, you could you could still do the Omega Page, like I think that they can retain the titles here, kind of do the same stuff they're doing, and then just little by little the Bucks are like, you know what, fuck this dude, <laughs> like we're not gonna be cool with this guy anymore. This guy's an asshole, and there's Kenny who's kind of caught between a rock and a heart, like kind of what they they've because they've they've told that story a little bit, but I think there's so much more of that story that they can tell. Where Omega's just kind of like, well, I, what do you want me to do? He's like my tag team partner, or we we keep winning the titles, but the Bucks being like, no, this guy's a fuck. Like, what do you? Why are you still you know with on his side? Like, I think there's so much more to that story to tell that maybe you don't. Maybe there doesn't necessarily have to be a heel and a face, and maybe you can let fans sort of decide over the next few months. Okay, look, like if the Bucks being you know kind of assholes to Page and saying, hey, this guy's a dick, you know, Omega, break away from this or whatever. See where the fans go. If the fans start kind of booing Adam Page and don't really get that into him, then okay, then maybe you can turn Page heel. If the fans start saying, hey, you know, the Bucks are kind of being assholes here, then I guess the Bucks can turn heel. I, like it's not the worst thing. Like the end result is like one of these teams or one of these people or one of the you know th- these guys. Are gonna be stars. Like you're either gonna get a giant babyface star in Adam Page, or the Bucks continue to be the Bucks or whatever, or you get the biggest heel in the world with Adam. Like there's a lot of stuff that you can do here that like I, I, I none of it's bad because I think everyone's kind of found their place and everyone kind of knows what they're doing. So I don't know. Maybe you don't have to rush it. Maybe it doesn't have to be a, an obvious. You know, Kenny Omega swivels the hips and hits Page with a chair or whatever. It could just be subtle stuff where you know maybe these guys continue to win and continue to win the titles and 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 Page maybe gets a little bit more into fair. Like maybe he cheats a little bit. Maybe he's he's a little bit more of a dickhead or, or whatnot. But like yeah, I wouldn't. I don't know that I'd change his direction in any way right now because I think like you said they're, they're striking. I mean he is. I can just tell from like casual fan friends that I have. Like he's the talk. He's I, I get texts every single week now. Hey, this page guy. I really love what this page guy is doing. Oh, it's really cool. With the like, I'm getting him now, and 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 that leads me to believe. Okay, there's something happening here, and you can hear the crowd reaction. You can hear stuff that's going on. So, I don't know. It's 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 again a lot of matches on this show are like interestingly enough like they're kind of coin flip matches that, that go either way, but like not because it doesn't matter, but because 
they've built up both directions. They built up both teams and, and, and participants where like, yeah, I could buy it. The Bucks win the titles here. And Omega and, and, and Page have a you know a, you know a miscommunication or whatever, but I can also buy that Omega and Page somehow pull it out again, and, and maybe Page you know puts his legs on the ropes or whatever and pins the box, and it's like oh what the fuck like you know this guy cheated us like there's a lot of different ways they can go here, and and I don't know that I'm really leaning in one direction or another. Are, 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 do you really have a, a take on on who comes out as the champions here? No, I mean it'll just be whatever story they're deciding to tell. That'll be that'll determine who wins the titles. It's not a matter of oh well which team is hotter. For bit like that has nothing to do. Right, right, right. It's just a, a matter of you know what's the better storytelling route to go in terms of who wins the titles. Um, but here's what I do know: the match is going to be fucking bonkers. That I know. I mean, this match is going to be Page and Omega have been a great team. Um, you know, the Bucks obviously on a pay per view. You know, and this is just going to be an incredible spot fest. I would expect. And you look at the other top matches. I mean, the title match is going to be a brawl. And Cody at MJF is going to be an old school territory telling a story kind of match, you know. So there's a lot of variety too, up and down the card. But uh, you know, I would expect that this tag match will be the match of the night. Uh, Jake Hager versus Dustin Rhodes, a match that's you know on paper. If you tell me five months ago, hey, there's going to be a Jake Hager versus Dustin Rhodes match at uh, AEW Revolution, uh, what do you think about it? I mean, I can't say that I'm like super super excited about it, but I'm you know, hey, they've done a pretty good job with this build here. Uh, it's probably my least anticipated of the matches on the show, but you know, hey, um, you know, it's it still looks decent enough on paper, and I think they've done a good job of building this up. You know, for the most part, how how Hager works is going to be important. You know, what kind of effort he puts in there. You know, Dustin's going to be a professional worker and go out there and and, and do some good stuff. But I've been burned by Hager a lot of times. You know, in this post WWE run, so uh, I'm not entirely sure what we're going to get for him. But I'm I'm mildly excited for this match. Listen, am I going to tell you I'm excited for this? No. Am I going to tell you that the fan base is excited for this? They are. The reactions that this gets every time that these guys tease beating the shit out of each other. I can't believe how hot they've managed to make. Jake Hager versus Dustin Rhodes. It's 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 remarkable to me that they've they've turned this what you know this would be a match on fucking main event you know uh, a year ago or 2 years ago whenever Hager was still in the company whatever the fuck you get the idea. And this is like a viable pay-per-view match. You know it's it this is what I mean they, they just every match on this show is so well built. You know, in relation to the slot on the card, you're not going to meet him at the show with this, but it, this is a hot mid-card match. You know, and, and Hager hasn't wrestled yet. I think that helps to some extent. And there's a real grudge, which was set up months ago, which again points to, once again, the tremendous long-term booking. I, I, you know, I do this behind the paywall all the time, but I, I really don't... The booking in this company is really good. I don't see other any other way to analyze it or slice it. I mean, even things like this down card, which you could easily just lazily throw together in the last couple of weeks before a pay-per-view, are thought out long-term. With seeds planted long ago, and then it plays out, you know, months later after you've forgotten about it. You know, and, and um, I just can't believe a match like this, which, you know, out of context looks like shit. I know. I was, I was like reading it. Like you'd be horrified if you were not watching AEW. And I told yeah. you Jack Swagger and Goldust are going to have a match. And you're like, and wait, it's, and it's fourth from the match? top and it's on the pay-per-view. It's fourth from the top on the pay-per-view. You'd be like, what the fuck is going on with that company? They're going to be out of business tomorrow. But yeah, it's all yeah. about, it's all about mean, presentation, man. It's, it's important. And that's the, it's interesting that you say fourth from the top because it's like, 
clearly there's three top matches, right? There's no dispute. There's a main event, and then there's Cody MJF in the tag match. And I think I would slot them in that order as well. But those yeah. are clearly the top three. You can put everything else that we know of to this point in any other order you want because everything is so hot. You know, because it's like you say that's fourth from the top. But if I told you that Darby Allen and, and Sammy Guevara was fourth from the top, you probably wouldn't argue with me. If I told you the women's title match was fourth from the top, you wouldn't argue with me because right, right, right. nothing feels like a clear prelim match. Because they've done such a good job building everything. Uh, let's let's go to the one match you were talking about there: Darby Allen, Sammy Guevara, Joe. <laughs> next to those, like yeah, obviously you know you know MJF and Cody cannot wait for Jericho Moxley. Sounds great on paper. Yeah, the tag match is going to be a kick-ass match. Build's been great. This Darby Allen Sammy Guevara match, the build of this has been so good. Like, I don't want to say it's better than those builds, but like in its own way, it's just been so good. Like, man, Sammy's just the biggest chicken shit ever. He's so good in that role. People should have listened to us seven years ago when we were talking about how great this guy was. It's unbelievable, you know, how great he is in AEW. He jumps off the page any segment he's in. He jumps off the screen anytime you see him on there. And Darby Allen, they've made that guy a star. That that is a guy like next to Page. You know, as far as like next guys up, guys that you can see a year down the line. I mean, Darby Allen, there, there's going to be no resisting this guy at, at a certain point. Like he is going to be one of the biggest stars in that company. And 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 we saw it. You know, last week, take him away for a few weeks, he comes back to it, just a gigantic pop, a gigantic reaction. These guys are going to go out there and kill it. Uh, two great workers, a match style that I like. You know, working styles that I like out of these two guys. Like, dude, I cannot. Like, I again, I can't in good conscience say that I'm looking forward to it more than the top three matches. But fuck, I can't wait for Darby Allen, Sammy Guevara. I mean, Darby Allen is so over, I, you know, and, and you knew that would happen. I mean, nobody who has watched his career thought he would end up on national television and flop. I mean, we knew this was going to happen, you know. Um, but again, it's a nice problem to have that the guy is significantly more over than his place on the card. There's nothing wrong with that. Um it's a good problem to have when too many people are over as opposed to the problems that WWE is having where they can't get anyone over. Um, so yeah. And then Sammy Guevara, I mean, I knew when he was 18 years old that he was going to be one of the best heels in wrestling. I mean, he's just, he's hateable. He's got a hateable face. He's got a hateable aura. He's just, and, and these guys are both kids. I mean, how old are these guys? Like twenty two? Oh, disgusting. 23? I don't even want to. I don't even want to look it up. <laughs> and, and, and 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 MJF is twenty three, and and uh, you know Jungle Boy, who I'm not as high on as some other people. He's like twenty one or twenty two. Uh, Darby's twenty seven. So he's a little older than I thought. Okay, but you still have a ton of time with and a guy. Sammy's twenty six. So you got a ton of time with these guys. You know, it's like they're unex and they're 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 and I think they're younger than they are because they're just unexposed too. That's the other thing. They haven't been on TV for 10 years or even five years or even a year. They haven't been on TV for a year, you know, and, and, uh, you know, these are two guys who you could easily see two, three, four or five years from now being, being main eventers, you know, Guevara as a heel and, and Darby Allen as, as a, as a headlining baby face. Um, everything that Dave Meltzer says again, says about jungle boy, I feel about Darby Allen. Like I think they have something in Darby Allen where he can be a big draw for young women. Mm -hmm. Um, And, and it's like, I'm indifferent on jungle boy. I think the gimmick is cringe. I think he is way too tiny. And that's funny to say when I'm defending Darby, but Darby, 
Darby's whole aura is he gets his fucking ass kicked and draws sympathy. You know what I mean? It's like a different and, and, and the gimmick is 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 more modern. The whole Jungle Boy gimmick well, is just Darby it, doesn't look like a child. Jungle Boy looks like yeah. he's 14 years old and like, you know, maybe like very small girls are going to like him. But like girls, I, I don't know. I, again, I, I'm maybe not the right guy to answer this, but I don't think a lot of girls want to fuck Jungle Boy. You, you know what I mean? Or Darby, I mean, you know, I could see that. I could see why the ladies like Darby. Yes, that's that's what I'm saying. It's like I, the Dean Ambrose I, thing, right? I never understood it, but I get why women liked it. You know, it's like I don't really okay. But when, I just feel like Jungle Boy's cartoonish, and I I feel kind like of, Darby, yeah, yeah. and I I feel like I see guys like Darby at the mall with a hot girlfriend. I, I well, a, Darby, a guy, Darby's a great example of that, right? Uh, yeah, he's and got like, a babe. He's got a nice babe, so. And the Jungle Boy gimmick is like, what are we doing? It's 2020, and we're supposed to believe this guy lives in the jungle. I just, it's it's corny. But uh, he's not even on the card yet, so there's no point talking about right, him. Right, right, right. But no, no, I 100 percent agree. And 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 Darby, I know for a fact, kids fucking love Darby Allen. Yeah, like, that's you talk about women, yeah, but like the children too, absolutely. Like 12 year olds and 10 year olds, they fucking love Darby Allen because he comes out on a skateboard and he he's like basically like a walking YouTube video. You know what I mean? It's like a walking like Instagram account YouTube video where it's like you know he's kind of mysterious. He's got cool music. He comes out. He 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 rides a skateboard and then he just goes and like kills himself and like basically dies in front of you. And he's kind of depressed and he's kind of mysterious and he's kind of dark and he he does he, he speaks to a lot of different people. Yeah, I'm I'm right with you, man. I think I. Think he is the bona fide top, you know, the, the, next to Paige. I would say the guy that's next up in terms of like undeniable superstars that they have in that company, and, and you could hear it in the crowd reactions too. The, the problem with him, though, and we, we've we've seen wrestlers like this over the years that we've talked about on this show, is I do believe he loses something when he wins matches. Right, he's got that Mikey Whipwreck thing where it's like, all right, but then he wins, and then what do you do? He has to be a he has to lose. That's the pro- so it's hard to push a guy at the top when the best use of him is losing. He's Hanma. He's like a different version of Han. It's like Hanma doesn't work as well. If Hanma's being is beating people, you know, the whole thing with guys like him and Darby are, they, they, they get beat, but they stay over because they're constantly getting beat. And you're waiting for the big win. And that's why it's hard to push people like that. I don't ever see Darby as a front runner. Or a champion. Darby's the kind of guy where if he does win a title, he has to lose it immediately. He can't have a, like a long title reign. The moment is the title win. Right. Well, he, he kind of reminds me of Sami Zayn in that sense, where like Sami Zayn finally beat Neville in NXT and he celebrated for like literally 15 seconds until Kevin Owens came out and fucking powerbombed him on the apron. Yeah. And that's yeah, what you kind of need. Like it needs to be that thing dude. where Darby wins the match and then somebody comes out and fucking bloodies him within 10 seconds. <laughs> you know. Like, well, you know, I think, you know, Sapolsky takes a beating for Darby, but um, I thought his plan was perfect. Peak it in New York, which was the plan. Have him win the title in New York and then lose it. He was going to have him lose it like the next weekend. Yeah. Which is exactly how you play that. The problem was Darby wanted out beforehand and then. Gabe had to change his plans. I thought the timing was perfect. I thought it was strung out perfectly. I thought doing it in New York in Laboom was perfect. Yeah, well, we we talked about it at the time too. Yeah, no, we 
Bye. But we're on an island. I mean, everyone else is like, ah, oh, they blew it. Well, but it's Gabe, like, could do, Gabe could say the sky's blue and people would say, oh, Gabe's an idiot. The sky's not blue. It's, it's technically yeah. this color. You know what I mean? Some extent you're right. And it's also people those just don't know the facts. They don't know that that was the plan. And, and it just, you know, it, it, it got, you know, Darby wanted out. Once the guy decided he wanted out, all, you had to beat him that weekend. You know, and that, you know, there was no other decision to be made. Those plans went out the window. But I really thought that was the perfect way to handle Darby. Have him get his crowning moment in New York at WrestleMania weekend in, in that building in particular. And then beat him with whoever you wanted to be your big time, you know, heat getting healed. Whether it was, I don't remember the timeline anymore. Whether it would have been Austin. I think he would have been beating Austin Theory, right? Was Austin Theory the chin? I don't, it doesn't matter. The point is then whoever you're going to beat him with, you do it immediately. Darby Allen is not the kind of guy that's going to have a fucking six month and valiant title. It doesn't work. It's not the essence of his being. So it's like, that's the tricky part. I think he could be a mega star, but how do you have a mega star who is better off losing? It's tricky and it's hard, but you want to also see how his character develops and how he develops as a performer because that dynamic and that energy could always change down the line. But at any rate, these two guys are absolute blue chippers. And at some point, they both have the potential to be at the top of the company. Uh, and then the final match that's announced as of uh, this recording is the uh, women's uh, championship match here. Nyla Rose defending the title against Chris Statlander. And, and you talked a little bit on your uh, news update, your, uh, what was it, Monday news update or Tuesday news update at uh, patreon.com uh, slash voices of wrestling that uh, you were happy and I was happy as well that Big Swole didn't get involved in this. Now, again, we're recording this on a Tuesday. I don't know if they're going to find some way to shoehorn right. her in there. Right. I. It seemed like last week on TV they did, but it they were very clear that this was the match. It was just a one-on-one. I God, I hope it's just a one-on-one because that's a much better match in that case. These are two of the people that deserve the title shot. These are two of the people that deserve to be in this title match. So I would prefer it be that one-on-one. I hope it stays that one-on-one. And I think, you know, all told, they've done a pretty decent job with this build as, as short as it's been and as, as maybe as condensed as it's been compared to some of the other stuff on the show. I think this is the right matchup for right now. And, and you know, again, Nyla's probably going to beat her, which is the right play there. I think where Chris just gets beaten up by Nyla because I think you want Nyla to have a pretty long uh, title reign here. But um, I've liked the build, you know, as short as it's been. And, and I, I like the idea of the match as well if it's kept short. I don't think these, you know, these two don't need to be going 20 minutes or whatever. But, you know, as of this recording, I just I really hope they just keep it one on one and don't just shoehorn Big Swole in there because there's just no reason for it. It's just silly. So hopefully not. We'll see. No, completely agree. I don't think Swole. Um, is ready for that kind of spot. And I don't, you know, in terms of um, when I say ready for the spot, I mean, in terms of how I don't think she's over enough to be in a pay-per-view title match right now. And there's really no storyline justification. She's not in the top rankings that I, at least the latest rankings that I've seen. Her storyline justification is she came out and interrupted the face-off and interjected herself. I, you know, she's beaten nothing but jobbers on dark. Um, so I just, it, it, if they find a way to shoehorn her in, I'm going to be upset because I, I'd rather they not do a three-way period. And I don't think – and if you do do a three-way, why is she in it and not Riho or someone else who's you know been winning matches on, on Dynamite and who's highly ranked? So not a fan of that if they do that. Now, as far as Nyla and, and um, Statlander go, I mean that could – I could see a scenario where that's a really ugly match and it falls apart. Um, I could see where it's – you know, uh, a, a female Haas fight where they go in there and beat the fucking living shit out of each other, and it's really good. It can go either way. Um, Statlander, to me, she's obviously supremely talented, and there's a ton of potential. I don't think she's shown a ton of charisma, though. Um, 
I'm she hasn't. Cool. Yeah, and I, I haven't seen it really. You know, in in, in I've I've seen her live a, a couple of times as well at AEW, and there are there's sometimes where it clicks, and there's sometimes where it doesn't, and it hasn't so far in AEW. She she's very hit or miss in that respect. The alien thing is not a long term gimmick. I don't care what anybody says. You got to get away from that eventually. It's fine for now, but you're not going to have a headlining act telling you that they're from the fucking outer galaxy and they landed in area 51. It's just dopey. Eventually she's got to have to move away from that. If she's going to be taken seriously as a top act. Um, number two, I see her on being the elite and there's just no charisma at all. I mean, it's, it's not good. And as far as bell to bell, I mean, it look, she's a, she's what? Two, three years in. It's a young roster in a lot of ways. Oh down. yeah, she she needs so many more reps than she's been get been yeah. given so far. Like yeah, it, ideally she would have had five years on the indies before she she got scooped up. But it's the state of the yeah. I mean it's just you know you you've got to because if you don't, the other guys are going to get them, and people just get signed too quickly. And we know that that's a topic for another day. But um, she's obviously physically was a savant. We were told that from almost her first match privately keep an eye on Chris Statlander. And I thought it was a dude based on the name for, for, for like a few weeks until I saw her wrestle. Like, Oh, there's a woman's wrestler, Chris Statlander. You know what I mean? That's how early on that we were told that this was like a blue chipper. Yeah. Well, you couldn't even find anything about her. Like I, I knew nothing. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> you, know, you, you need to see a Chris Statlander match. And I just assumed it was a man <laughs> named Christopher. You know, that's how early on we were told. And then it's like you watch her wrestle and you're like, oh, yeah, this is a blue chip physical talent. But I do think she's missing some crowd connection. And I do think there's some challenges there. But you, you, look, she's so young and new to the. I mean, you grow into that. You grow into that. I think a, a more mature, more refined gimmick will help. It's a very indie gimmick, um, at which I get why it works on the indies, because that's the state of the indies right now. That kind of stuff is, is over. Um, but it's not a major league television gimmick, um, not for a headliner. And she could be a headliner. You know, if this was some down card wrestler with this, I wouldn't be complaining about it. I just think she's better than this. Right. There, there's much more potential for her. And, and yeah, you're going to have to strip that once you become like a big time star. If you're going to become the, the top woman star in the company, you can't be an alien. So just be an ass kicker. I mean, she can get over just being a fucking ass kicker. Um, you know, in another era, I'd say give her a manager. Because it's, it's clear she's not comfortable talking, and she just doesn't have a ton of charisma yet. So, um, you know, we'll see what happens with the match. Hopefully, though, I want it to remain one-on-one. I really don't want them to interject, sw- do an angle this Wednesday, and get swollen there. I don't, I don't want that. And that's it. That is AEW Revolution. Uh, of course, this Saturday, BR Live. Uh, if you're non-US, Fight TV is going to be carrying it as well. Also, traditional pay-per-view. If you want to just go on your cable box, old school style, and go and, and pay, that's what Joe Lanz will be doing, I'm sure, right? Plopping down the $59.99 on, on the old cable box. Or 64 You want HD or $64.99. Right? Oh, I'm not watching standard definition. I'm not a, <laughs> you're not a barbarian. Yeah, well, give me a break. Is is your sixty four ninety nine? I'm trying to remember. That's I think that's. What I don't is, know what so, this yeah. shit costs. Rich, I just pressed the button. I the same with me. I have no idea. I'm like, look, I, they're fucking. Let me try to find this out. I don't even know. I think it's, mine is sixty four ninety nine, but you, you you really don't have to find out if you're. I'm curious now. I'm curious what this what this fucking thing cost. Um, Which is man, that's a lot of money. You know what I mean? Like, you know, when do they start? When do they start broadcasting in four K and charging an extra ten for that too? Um. What day is this fucking thing? Saturday, Joe. This Saturday, the 29th. 
All right, let me leap, see. A leap day, leap day. Move forward on the menu here. Uh, that's <laughs> good stuff. Uh, what fucking channel would this be on now? Let's see. Something in the 600s. I, I don't know. Uh, all right, here we go. Do you, you have the voice remote? Do you have a voice remote thing? Or no? HD. Yeah, there is a, there's actually a standard definition feed. Imagine <laughs> being the first. What like, kind of loser? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, what are you doing? You eat grape jelly, basically. You're ordering standard definition. You're probably having a grape jelly sandwich. You're probably drinking off-brand cola. Red pop. Yeah, yeah drinking some red pop from the store. Yeah. Let me tell you something. I'm glad I looked this up. HD, AW Revolution Live, HD, $49.95. That's hmm. cheaper than you thought, isn't it? Yeah, I'd order that right now. I think that's a mistake. But... Let me see what the standard definition is charging. Um, come on. Man, are your pay-per-views that much cheaper than mine? I swear mine's I much more it's than the same that. across all... Uh... I feel like mine's much more than that. Maybe Revolution's not that much more. I, I swore I paid you know, 65 for for uh, double or nothing, but... Well, this is interesting. On the standard definition channel, there's no price listed. Hmm. That's weird. That's very weird. Um, and it says it's featuring Awesome Kong, so... <laughs> I would, I would not uh, uh, <laughs> I would not bet on that unfortunately no it might tell you what the plans were but <laughs> awesome. uh, it's a different description for the eight like the, that's it, the selling the selling point is uh, for the HD it just says don't miss AEW's epic sold out extravaganza Saturday 229 live on direct TV pay-per-view order today 4995 price non-refundable all it says and the standard definition one like lists off a bunch of wrestlers and it doesn't have a price so who the fuck knows interesting okay cheaper than 49.95 i would assume i would hopefully yeah if not then featuring kenny omega brandy Rhodes, awesome kong john moxley and chris jericho from wind trust arena in chicago okay that sounds a little bit more uh where by the way rich crach went to a depaul basketball i did yeah depaul blue dunes basketball team in destiny yeah when they were undefeated rich bought into the hype (laughs) He went to the DePaul game. After not watching college basketball for like 10 years. Right. He said, let me check this out. They're undefeated. They're getting a lot of hype. They lose, of course. To Buffalo. Yeah. Right. And then they went on to lose nine straight Big East games. <laughs> Including the t- like an hour before we recorded, they lost to Xavier. I, I still they lost get- again tonight. Yeah, like, I get the notifications on my phone. I, I got to start. I got to actually turn off those notifications because I don't care. They're like, anymore. Yeah, they're like two and thirteen in the league, and they're like fourteen and fourteen overall now, or something like that, or thirteen uh... and fourteen. And when Rich went, they were eight zero. <laughs> Rich is such a mush. He ruined their season. You ruined their season. You realize that? I, I know. I'm, I'm well aware. This the theme of this show is destiny and fate and. I believe you mushed their season by your mere presence by going to that DePaul game, and you put the onus on them, and you gave them the evil eye or some shit because they couldn't get out of their own way after that. So, congratulations, Rich! You've destroyed Chicago college basketball once again. Once again, yeah. It, it well, had my a only Chicago rhymes. went to a Final Four, so I can't really say that. That's true. Oh yeah, recently. Yeah, recently. Just... Hey, did you see that? There was a clip going around of a Chicago State game. What can you tell me about Chicago State? Ooh, Chicago State. Yeah, not much. It is a uh it's a, it's a sm- very very small school. I forget I forget even what like category or division they're in or whatnot, but um it's very bizarre. Yeah, I, it, nobody really knows anything about it. <laughs> either. It just exists in a its own little world. It's it's not really a contender at all for like 
the minds or, or the eyeballs of Chicago basketball fans whatsoever. But yeah, it's 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 way on the south side. Um, I don't even know what else to say about it. One man getting, school, uh, yeah, it's kind of like just step up above like a community college or whatnot. It's fine. Right. It's okay. Like the bigger event there is like because a lot of times they'll host like the big high school games. So yeah. if it's Simeon versus you know Morgan Park or whatever, they'll go to that means nothing to you. Well, yeah, Simeon means probably means something to you, but. Well, that's interesting you say that because the, the, the viral clip that was going around, they are a D1 basketball program, believe it or not. And the clip that was going around was, Rich, there were 10 players on the floor and six people in the crowd. Yep. That sounds about right. Yeah, that sounds about right. Whereas, you know, they'll have, uh, they'll, they'll have you know, Simeon, the school that, you know, Derek Rose went to, Jabari Parker went to, all those guys yeah. went to. They'll, they'll be Simeon versus Morgan Park, this, you know, city, a big city showdown or whatever. And the place will be fucking packed. There'll be 10,000 people in that arena or whatever. Yeah. However many that can hold it, 6,000 or whatever. But yeah, that's, um, I'll have to look for that. That sounds just about right. That's six people in attend the Chicago State. You know, oh, a couple of years ago when they moved up to Division One, they were in the Great West Conference. That's right. I do remember that. Thunder Dan Marley was coaching the uh, Grand, Valley Grand, State, uh, yeah. um, Grand Canyon. The only for-profit school in Division One, Grand Canyon. Dan Marley's still there. And uh, also in that conference was NJIT, the New Jersey Institute of Technology. Yes. <laughs> right. They played in the Great West, Rich. Yes, Chicago State to New Jersey. The Great West, of course. And an Arizona school and a Chicago school. And I think like uh, Rio Grande Valley down here. in Te- Yeah, what a conference. But um, yeah, Chicago State. Rich just, he mushes the entire Chicago college basketball scene. I mean, I, you probably, when Loyola Chicago went to the Final Four and made their miracle run, the First game you watched was probably the Final Four game that they lost. Can you? Uh, no, that? no, no. I watched the uh, I watched uh, the game before that. Oh, you did. You watched yeah, the yeah. And, then I, but, and, and like the one game I was really excited for, I like sat down. I'm like, they're gonna win here. This is it. it was the Final Four game for sure. Yeah, the one where they just yeah. got absolutely pants by. That was Michigan, right? Uh, yes, I, I believe it was Mo Wagner just like fucking <laughs> throwing down forty points on him or some shit like that. Yeah, not not good. So, uh, but no, no, no. I, I don't like. Yeah, yeah, well, yeah. Back. <laughs> yeah, it didn't work out. Jump did not, not work out. No, yeah, that's that's the last time I ever. I, I actually, um, I went to a DePaul game. Yeah, like fifteen years ago, uh, as well. And it was a similar thing where they were like fifteen and one or something like that, and then they just went fucking trash the rest of the season. So, that's, yeah, I remember that. That's you do it every every time DePaul gets on a roll. Every fifteen destroy it but uh by the way revolution winchester arena no they, they've never had a wrestling show before i think you guys are gonna love it's a really cool arena really fun arena really packed in it kind of has an old barn feel to it an old barn look to it it's gonna be loud man it was loud for depaul and there was like you know the upper deck was empty for for the paul basketball game so i think this is gonna be fucking real the way it's built the way it's constructed everything is is you know it's right next to, it's it's connected to the mccormick place where they're having c2e2 as well it's like a comic book convention or whatnot so the crowd's gonna be hot there's gonna be a lot of you know it's sold out in seconds it's kind of a barn style it looks really cool too it's it's kind of a new looking building as well i'm really excited to see how it looks and how it how it's presented on tv but i think it's, it's be great. New, it's clean it's uh on tv it comes off like one of those midwestern field house kind yeah. of mm-hmm. Like where Butler plays and, you know, like those kind of, that's yeah, kind like, of, there's not a bad seat in the house too. Like my, my buddy and I, because that dude, cause not that many people were at the ball game. We basically every quarter moved around to like a different section or whatever. And we're like, oh man, this is unbelievable. And the entire time we're there, we're thinking, man, they should have a wrestling show here. It's be perfect yeah. for a wrestling show. It's like the right amount of space. It's a new 
it way better than the Sears Center. Blows the Sears Center away in terms of like amenities and how it looks and all that sort of stuff. So the whole time we're thinking, man, it'd be a great place for a wrestling show. And then yeah, like lo and behold, you know, a month later they announce it and it's like fucking perfect. Yeah, I can't, I can't wait. So um, should be a lot of fun. So. All right, so that is uh, Revolution. Rich, I have a question for you. Okay, let's see if I can get an answer for you. Okay, this is a... Uh, a multiple a very- choice or, or just, you know, just blurt out an answer? Well, how about you let me ask the okay, question? all right, all right, all right, all right. I'll back out. If you were to guess, on average, how many days people in the U.S. have to wait to see a doctor, what would you say? Now, do I get choices or do I just have to guess here? I swear we're not about to do politics. Just give me a guess. Okay. 20 two, days. You're taking too long. 20 days. I'm thinking about it. I'm thinking about it. 20 days. 20 days. Americans have to wait around 29 days oh. to see a doctor in a major U.S. city. If you're dealing with a condition like erectile dysfunction, you're going to want treatment ASAP. You're going to want that boner. Okay, that's why our friends at Roman have spent years building a digital platform that can connect you with a doctor licensed in your state, all from the comfort of your home. Roman makes it convenient to get the treatment you need on your schedule. All you got to do is grab your phone, grab a computer, grab a tablet, complete a free online visit. You'll hear back from a U.S. licensed physician. Not some shuckster, Rich. This is a licensed physician. No boardwalk physicians here. (laughs) No boardwalk physicians. No gypsy physicians or carnival barkers. Within 24 hours, you'll hear back from this physician. And if the doctor decides that treatment is right for you, Roman's Pharmacy can ship your medication to you with free two-day shipping. That's a boner in two days. You get free unlimited follow-ups with your doctor anytime you have questions or want to adjust your treatment plan. So with Roman, there are no commitments. You can cancel any time. So if you are struggling with erectile dysfunction, the old ED rich, go to GetRoman.com slash VOW for a free online visit, no charge. And if the doctor decides treatment is right for you, free two-day shipping. So that's Roman. That's GetRoman, G-E-T-R-O-M-A-N, GetRoman.com. Slash VOW for a free online visit and free two-day shipping. Do that today. All right. Let's get to uh, New Japan here. we got a plenty of stuff to go to. I don't know. How do you want to tackle this? we got the anniversary show, New Japan Cup bracket. we got a bunch of Kirk and Hall shows to talk about. Where do you want to start, Joe? Let's blow through the four Kirk and Hall shows. Um, I'm looking through my notes. We're not going to go through them in detail, but I at least want to talk about the top matches. I thought that they were somewhat disappointing shows. I didn't like a ton of the only match I really thought was uh worth going out of your way to see was was uh Shingo versus Ishii for the Never title on the uh second night or was it the So technically well I, are we ta- are we counting the Tiger Hattori's ninth retirement show as one of the nights? Yeah, yeah, yeah. There, yeah, it was the nineteenth, twentieth, twenty first, and twenty second. They ran four straight nights. They announced sixteen hundred for the Tiger Hattori retirement. Nice little ceremony, nice little main event. Uh, you know, nothing you got to run the New Japan World to make sure you see. And then the next night, they had the uh, junior tag team title match and the and the never main event with Shingo defending against Ishii. That was an announced 1353. Then they did 1,500 fans the next night for the trios titles and the tag team title match. 
and then I don't have the attendance in front of me for the uh, Nakanishi, but I'm going to just assume that was sold out. I guess one of us could look it up. Uh, let me let me get that for you real quick. Yeah, I'm actually right yeah. there. Uh, they're saying 1720 for that. Okay, one. so that was a sellout. So they sold out for Nakanishi, which was to be expected. Um, look, they ran four straight nights. One or two of these shows was going to suffer. It looked like the show on the 20th did. Don't forget the week before they ran three straight nights in Cork. And so New Japan has just been pounding Cork and Hall. And oh, by the way, everyone's running scared from the coronavirus. Okay, you watch these shows and everybody's wearing the masks. So, um, you know, I think these were that this is a strong four days worth of attendance. I right. And, and and it should be noted as well that this is usually the spot where on a rising would would, would, would yes. come and obviously on a rising not happening this year. So, yeah, I don't know if the plan at the beginning of the year or, or last year was to run, you know, eight cork and all shows, you know, in like a two and a half week span or whatever. It just so happened they did that. I'd say overall successes, though, to at least stake that consistent. They didn't bomb in any of these. There are not any bombs, but yeah, there's a few shows that, you know, that, that first New Japan Road Show, uh, 1353, not great, but, you know, okay, you're, you're going to take that if you're, if you're, yeah, I mean, the, uh, the ones the week before, I think one of them did like 1100, but those were the shows that were headlined by like the eight man tags and the elimination matches. It was running the building a ton and people are afraid of this coronavirus too so um you know i don't think there's any point getting worked up about these numbers or alarmed and most of them were good anyway but as far as the matches go i mean um on the 20th the junior tag match for Ponky 3k against the mega coaches it was all right i mean did you see that match or no i did not i did not watch that one it, yet, you don't need to it was that's fun. what i kind of heard I, yeah so it's, you know, the never title match now where Shingo Ishii, that was the only notebook match of the entire four-day stretch, in my opinion. Uh, that is worth going out of your way to see. I didn't think it was match at year level. I think it was a little short. I agree. Match yeah, I agree. All right, so you saw that one. So uh, an opportunity for you. Uh, what did you think of Shingo and Ishii? So here's where I'm at with this match. is it, It's in a vacuum, this exact same style of match, maybe done four years ago, or maybe done with a little bit more stakes, or done during a G1, or done during the finals of the New Japan Cup. Like, they, they, they could work this match exactly the same way. I think I would like it a lot more. It's just, I don't know, I, could, I had trouble getting into it. It just didn't hook me at any point. And if, it felt like a lot of the stuff that they were doing was just like, I don't know, I just kind of assumed that it was going to happen. It was kind of the same spots you'd kind of assume were going to happen. There was a kick out at one. There was, you know, Ishii defending with his shoulder over the lariats. There was like a bunch of stuff that was really cool in it. But for whatever, for whatever reason, it just had a really tough time hooking me. I don't know if I'm just maybe sick of that match style. I'm maybe sick of these, you know, these guys doing it. it, it and again, I'm saying all this to a match that I gave four stars to. I'm just saying, like, I expected, like you're saying, I expected, oh, my God, it's Shingo and Ishii in the main event for the Never Open Weight title. This is going to be fucking incredible. And it wasn't fucking incredible. It was very good. It was still a very good match, but it didn't hit me on that level. It didn't hit me on the level that I thought it was going to. And there were points where I'm thinking, okay, this is really good stuff. This should now kind of get me going. And for whatever reason, it just, for whatever, it, I don't know, it just didn't, it didn't hook me like I thought that this match was going to hook me. And, and, and like these two guys usually do hook me. So I don't know exactly what, the, what it was, whether it was atmosphere, whether it was the stakes, whether it was just, you know, maybe a little bit of burnout. I don't know what it was exactly, but it just didn't, it didn't get me on that level. So that's why, yeah, it, it, to me, it, it, nowhere near match of the year contender level for me. Still, again, a very, very good match, a very fun match. I thought Ishii was tremendous in it. I thought Shingo was tremendous in it. It's just, I, I don't know. You, you know, it just felt like it was missing something. I think, uh, you know, it was the main event in Cork and Hall, and they worked it like a main event style match in terms of the pacing. And I think these two guys, I thought it was a great match, but I think that they could have an even better match. I think they could have a match of the year caliber match uh, if they just work a faster pace and do a shorter sprint. 
Um, but you're not going to do that. You know, card placements, everything. If this was second or third from the top on a G1 show, maybe they go 12 minutes, you know, and, and, and it's better matched than this. Uh, but uh, this one, I, I like the way that they paced it because it kind of like threw me off. I was expecting a a short a shorter sprint, but they ended up working a uh, much better uh, a much uh, better paced match for the spot on the card since it was a main event. But uh, you know, great match, just didn't hit the heights that you'd expect a match like this to hit. And I just think that these are two guys that their best possible match might be a shorter, faster pace bout. So I think that was, uh, that was that. So Shingo retains as expected. And then the next night on the 21st, you had the trios title match, which did you see that? I did. Yes, I did see that. Nothing matched to me. Um, what'd you think of it? I just thought it was exactly what I expected out of those particular parts. Same deal. Yeah. It, it, nothing again, not a match. I'll never, ever think about again. in my life. <laughs> you know, I thought about it and watched it enough for the show, but yeah, nothing that really stood out to me. Just a complete paint by numbers. Only 14 minutes to it. It came and went like in a flash and, and, and yeah, nothing of note really happened whatsoever. So, and then the tag title match where as expected, Tanahashi and Ibushi win the belts feel good moment. Not a great match. I mean, a good match. I'd call it a good match. Uh, but but a great moment with Tanahashi and Ibushi embracing at the end. And I think everybody wanted to see these guys win the titles because now we're going in an interesting direction. And uh, it is a good little main event for Cork and all. Nothing that's going to knock your socks off and uh, nothing that I can recommend from a bell-to-bell standpoint. But it was a good match with a satisfying conclusion. What'd you think? Yeah, no, I'm I'm right with you as well. 20 minutes, you know, Tanahashi and Ibushi get kind of a definitive win. There wasn't a ton of bullshit. There was a few moments there. I think there was a a, a two count that, you know, Jado dragged the referee out or whatever. And that was kind of, you know, the one moment where you're like, oh, man, they're going to fuck him over here. But then Tanahashi just, you know, he just hit the high five flow and just won the match. And and like you said, a perfectly good moment for, for Cork and Hall. And I think a great direction for the tag team titles. More than anything, more than a match that, like, is really going to stand out or be memorable or whatever. All that this really was was like, oh man, okay, this this could potentially, if they go down this direction and if they're serious about it, this can really add a whole different dynamic to the tag team titles, get them to a drawing level, get them to an important level again. So yeah, I was super excited to see them do the obvious thing, the thing that we all thought they were going to do with Tanahashi and Ibushi winning, and, and now I'm excited for the future of the titles. But yeah, this this match, nothing that you really need to go out of your way to see, but I'm sure that these dudes, Tanahashi and Ibushi, they're going to have some tremendous matches, you know, over the course of this title reign. Uh, Girls of Destiny just probably not the team that they're going to do it against. So, Yeah. And then the next night, we had the Nakanishi ceremony. Uh, the main event was very good. The dads really brought it. Um, and, and, and obviously on the other side, when you've got, you know, Okada and Ibushi and Tanahashi and Goto. So the main event was a lot of fun. Nakanishi eats all four finishers. They killed this man. <laughs> Poor guy. They killed the man. Did you see this match or not? Oh my god, I saw it, Joe. I okay. fucking loved it, man. I, I think I might actually like this match more than, than than Shingo and Ishii. For whatever reason, it just hit me a little bit better. There was so much like little nuance to it. It was, you know, a whole generation versus another generation. It's the old guys versus the young guys. The young guys are kind of playing heel right off the bat because they realize, look, hey, you know, people are gonna probably root for the old guys. So then they lean into it. You got, you know, Tanahashi and 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 then you know Abushi throwing the fucking uh, you know, the, the chops at Tenzan and the crowds are going nuts and and booing the hell out of those guys and you know Kota Bushi kind of egging the crowd on like I was like let's go this is pretty fun you know uh, Okada telling everybody to back off because he wants to 
get his first stab at Nakanishi or whatnot. You know, Nakanishi snapping and 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 getting pissed at Yuji Nagata and putting him in the Argentine backbreaker and stuff. There was so much really cool stuff in this match. Kojima still can fucking go. Like he's so good. He's he, you're wondering what generation he he should be in the other generation because he doesn't belong with these old guys uh, anymore. But I thought a really really fun match, a really cool atmosphere, and then yeah, to, Nakanishi's just sitting in the middle of the ring sucking air while each one of these young guys just hits their fucking signature move on him before Tanahashi finally finishes him off with the high five flow. I love this, man. I went four and a quarter. I love this match, man. I thought this was tremendous. Yeah, you say young guys, three of them are like 40. No, I know. I know. Yeah, right. <laughs> I was thinking the same thing. Like, like Oto's 40, Tanahashi's like 43, and Abushi's like 38. Right. You know? and, and you got Okada in his prime. He's like 31 or whatever, but... Um, you know, those aren't exactly, you know, spry youngsters on the other side. It's not like Carl Fredericks was in there. But, uh, yeah, I mean, you know, he went out eating four finishers, laying on his back. Kind of. I mean, he's he's so, like, he, he, he can't even – his shoulders don't yeah, I was going to say, not really his back. I'm kind of like his lower torso was on the <laughs> yeah. mat or something. Yeah. yeah. If you notice, like, you can't pin his shoulders to the mat because he's so bulky back there and just so stiff. But the ceremony was fucking outstanding. It was. Did you watch the promo video before the match too? I did. Oh, how good was that? The symbolism in that too, where where yes. Nak- they they put Nakanishi in front of a table and feed him <laughs> a godly amount of, of food because that is that is Nakanishi's, you know, the monster morning, the monster breakfast for nothing. So he he gets out there and he they do an interview with him and he's just slurping down soup and eating you know eggs and and drinking his orange juice and doing all this stuff as they're kind of interviewing him about his career. And then you see highlights sort of interspliced among him eating his his rice and eating his 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 meal. And then you know when the when the video's done, he slurps up that last little bit of soup, puts the plate down, the table's empty, and he walks away. Yeah, fucking awesome. It's <laughs> so good. Yeah, great symbolism. You know, the table's empty, the meal's done. And then, uh, yeah, the the ceremony. He got a better ceremony than Liger. I mean, it was longer. It was, it was uh, you know, they brought out more special guests. Uh, there were, I, it seemed to me that, you know, and maybe that was because Liger just didn't want all of that, you know, and, and they gave Liger the bare minimum of what they can get away with. I don't think Liger's was bad, but like Nakanishi, it went on forever. It was like Right, right. Well, I, I think Liger, and, that, and that's kind of Liger in general, like it was the opener yeah. of that one show. He wanted it to be over as quickly as possible. Like that's not Liger's thing. And I'm not saying that Nakanishi's like a glory hog either, but he may have said, nah, nah, nah. And they said, oh, fuck you. We're going to do it. Whereas if, if, if Liger says, I really don't want that, you can't really force it on Liger. You know what I mean? Like he's such an institution. That yeah. I get where if he's going to feel super uncomfortable about it, maybe Nakanishi said, ah, I don't care. Do whatever the hell you want. So <laughs> poor I guy had to sell his fucking injury the entire time, yeah, was which, which I was going to say you because I saw your tweet about him selling the injury the entire time. Are you sure he was selling? <laughs> you know, it's like, <laughs> or does his back really hurt that much? He can barely move. But like for the first half of the thing, he's like selling, eating those four finishes. You know, it's like, but then, yeah, by the end of it when he clearly was embarrassed by how long it was going on, you know, that was just his fucking natural state basically. Um, but it's funny how for these things they retain kayfabe and they never bring out the bullet club or LIJ, you know? And it's like, I'm sure those guys have an affinity for these guys who are retiring, but unfortunately, you know, it's just, it's, it's, they retain that kayfabe. It's old school and they don't let those guys come out and, and participate in these things. And I always find that interesting. It's like, I remember 
when Paul Heyman announced the barely legal pay-per-view at the ECW arena, they brought out the entire roster with the exception of just incredible because he was like the heel on the come up at that time. And like the hot knew he was going to push him as the main event heel or whatever. And it's like, that was always notable to me. They didn't want just incredible to be part of like this celebration. Right. You know, it's like similar to this is like, they don't, they never, they never bring out bullet club or LIJ and it's weird. It's like, maybe, you know, maybe evil would like to pay his respects. <laughs> right. Well, do it back. I love it though. I, I love that. Cause that's yeah. how I would be. I'd be that weirdo. If I, if I ran a wrestling company, I'd be that weirdo. I'd be like, no, 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 no. Stay backstage. You're a heel. You know what I mean? Like stuff that nobody, and like nobody really cares about maybe, but I love that it, that it exists. I like that. So, you know, they can pay the respects, you know, when he comes back to the curtain. So, yeah. Yeah. So, uh, that was the ceremony. That was the four cork and shows. We have the anniversary show lineup is out. Uh, Naito Hiromu on top. Uh, it's for neither title, and it doesn't look like Hiromu's wish of uh, wrestling for the G1 briefcase is going to come to fruition because uh, I haven't mentioned anything about that. And then there's just uh, five other matches, and they're all multi-man tags with the theme being you're on the opposite side of your New Japan Cup opponent. Right, which is why we waited so long to get this this you know lineup right. here because people were wondering, why, why haven't we seen this anniversary lineup? Why haven't we seen this yet? Well, they need to announce the New Japan Cup lineups before they can do that. So makes sense now. Correct. And the only match that really, uh, you know, the opener with Great Bash Heel versus Uamura and Suji is the only match that doesn't follow that pattern. The other four matches on the show is basically, for the most part, um, guys on the opposite side of their New Japan Cup opponents, which brings us to New Japan Cup, which starts one day after the anniversary show um, on the fourth in Cork and Hall. Then they take a couple days off and it's three days in a row on the 7th, 8th, and 9th from Aichi, Amagasaki, and what I am I am certain is a made-up city, Kochi. Have you ever heard of Kochi? Yeah, they always run in Kochi. Okay, I don't remember Kochi. So. <laughs> I heard you on your on your on the, yeah. the news update talk about that. I'm like they run there all the time, I think. All right, cuz I never I don't remember Kochi and I'm looking at the shitty lineup that Kochi got cuz they really got fucked. And I'm thinking this must be some shitty fucking the village building somewhere. Oh, you know what? I do know how I remember these. They 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 get World Tag Leagues once a year. And they're always okay. like the worst World Tag League shows too. So This must be a terrible building in yeah, the middle. Yeah, last year they got their main event was GOD versus Tenkoji. Uh, awful. I mean, it's not great, but <laughs> I mean, in 2019, and you're getting the champs versus a very popular team. Uh, listen, I'm not saying it's a great main event. Yeah, and then I, in 2018, they got uh, LA Evil and Sonata versus the best friends was their main event. So. Uh, and I see that's a terrible. Main event. <laughs> right. That's 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 dog shit. Um, but yeah, this they, you know, Kochi really got screwed. But um, so you want to do the gimmick where we have to agree, yes. no matter how long we argue. And we go through the entire lineup. So we will start with the left side of the bracket, the top left quadrant. All right, let me March put it in here. VOD flagship official bracket. Again, not going to look at last year's uh, results, but rest assured, 100% correct on every single pick. So let's do it again okay. this year. March 4th, Cork and Hall. By the way, Tomohiro Ishii versus Hanare is main event. Let's fucking go, man. Let's go. We don't have match lineups for the other shows yet, only for Korokin, and that's the main event. And I'm so pumped about that because they're going to get 20 minutes, and those two guys I know have a great match in them because I've seen them have a great match. But we're going to start with Togi Makabe, not Daniel Makabe. Togi Makabe 
versus Jeff Cobb. What are you feeling on I'm this? I'm going one? Cobb. Where are you at? <sighs> you know, it would be considered an upset. It would be. Mm-hmm. But, you know, the winner faces the winner of Ishii Hanare, which is going to be Ishii. I, you know what? I'm not going to fight you this early on. This is going to be a long segment. Um, I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna say, let's advance. Jeff well, well, how strong do you feel about Makabe? That's fine. I, 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 I'm not strong on Cobb either. I'm fifty fifty. Okay. Well, I, I think Cobb because I think it's easier for Cobb to lose to Ishii in the next round. Yeah, and I really think they've cycled Makabe down. Um, let's go with Cobb. Okay, Cobb is locked in there. So Ishii Hanari, I think we can both agree Ishii. We're going with Ishii, and that'll be the best match of the night. It won't even be close. Be fucking great. Yeah, I can't wait. I cannot wait for that match. If you have not seen again, like I, I, I mentioned it a few weeks ago, if you have not seen Hanari this year, you're missing out. You're going to see him on this night. And you're going to see it. This is a, a a confident man, a guy that understands his character, understands what he's doing. This is going to blow. This is I cannot wait for this match, Joe. It's going to blow. It's gonna be great. People are not. I, I don't know. I, people are still sleeping on Hanari, and and hopefully, finally on this night, that'll be all done once they see that. Yeah. So. Okay, so this bottom half of the top left quadrant. <laughs> this is hellacious, these matches here. Toru Yano <sighs> versus Chase Owens. We're going to get two comedy matches here. Uh, we'll start with Yano and Owens. Owens, sneaky in these tournaments, Rich. Mm-hmm. Yeah. He is the Don Jardine of New Japan. Look him up. Look him up, kids. Don Jardine, the spoiler. Um, and then they, the winner of that match faces the winner of Colt Cabana, Yano's tag team partner. And bad luck, Fale. Um, we'll start with Yano Owens. Do you see Owens pulling another upset? I don't think Owens beating Yano gets like that desirable upset pop that Owens beating like Juice Robinson got last year. Right, right, right. Or Owens beating Ricochet got from the best of the Super Juniors, or you know, I forget what his third upset was. But so I, I don't know. I'm feeling Yano in that one. I, I am too, and I, I, I think. Well, I think I'll have a good a good theory for why I, I think Yano is going to win this, and, and I think maybe, we're on the same page, and so. why maybe the next guy is going to win the next match. But um, but so you yeah. think we're getting the comedy match? I do, I really do, because I think I more do. than anything, whoever emerges from that, Ishii's going to have a little bit of a night off because Ishii's going to have you know a big match against Hanare, a big match against Cobb. He's obviously just had the big match against Shingo, so they're going to give him you know okay, you get to you know beat Toro Yano in in ten minutes or what you know what I mean like that's kind of how I see that going to kind of get him an easy route to to the the, the you know the quarterfinals so or the semifinals so we'll I should say put through Yano we're gonna put through Cabana okay and we're gonna get our comedy match so now we've got round two well, you want to just do the whole quadrant and then yeah let's do the whole quadrant and have a guy you know emerge in the final four so so then we've got Cobb versus Ishi I think we both agree uh, or maybe not. That this is where uh, Ishii will go through, like you just laid out. I, yeah, I, I think. Yeah, I think Ishii's for sure going through. Okay, so we'll go Ishii, and then Yano Cabana. I mean, I don't know. I mean, <laughs> you know, the worst part about this is they're going to go out there and have a perfectly fine comedy match. You might smirk once or twice, and people are going to tell you that it's like this is my match of the year. <laughs> right, our matches are going to be hey voices are wrestling. Remember this, this one for match of the year. Match. Yeah, and, and then and then we'll do our match of the year poll and we'll get one vote. Right. That's what happens every does. year. With it these never does. Toriano, Toriano never gets a single vote ever. Never a single vote. <laughs> but everyone will tell you that these bullshit little comedy matches in real time are the match of the year. Um, 
and and then it doesn't get a single vote in our poll. They don't. You can't find it with a fucking search party and like the observer poll. You can't find it in any of these matches. But always the next day, it's the greatest match anyone's ever seen, and it was the height of fucking comedy. And it's never the case. It's always a nice little match where you maybe break a fucking smirk once or twice, and that's exactly what this will be. Um, and I'm going to put Yano through and put him against Ishii. I'll do the there. same. Yeah, I have no strong thoughts about that. I, I Probably Yano. I mean, they'll protect Yano probably more than they'll protect Cabana. So, yeah, I, I see Yano going through there. So then I think we both have Ishii beating Toru Yano, I hope. Dear God, let's hope so. I mean, I, I could see Yano going to the semifinal. A little, a little Jay White <laughs> Toru Yano semifinal. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I, I could see it's it. It's not unrealistic. It's not. It is the New Japan Cup. And, and people do need to remember that. When, when you, you know, we are doing a pick again at Voice of Wrestling. You can go to voiceofwrestling.com, go to the right side of uh, uh, our sidebar. You'll see an image of Shingo and Will Ospreay. Just click that and you'll be entered. You know, you can fill out the bracket just like we're doing as well. So, voiceofwrestling.com to do that. Uh, keep in mind that New Japan Cup, things get weird. Because if, if there's a match that sounds too good to be true in the New Japan Cup, yeah, it often is. Not when you've yeah. decided that you know a semifinal match is going to be you know Tanahashi and Okada, eh, might not happen. You know, I'm not saying particularly this year, but there are years where like you you end up with your bracket and you get through it and you go, wait a minute, they're not going to do Naito and Okada, you know, in the quarterfinals. Like something's going to happen here that's not going to allow that to. So just keep in mind, it is the New Japan Cup. Okay, but here's the thing. I don't even want to speak it into existence. There's way too much Yano already here, so I'm going to go with Ishii. Okay, can we please do that? Because I can't even fathom. I, I, I... Hey, what's the theme of this flagship? Karma. And 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 we got to just... We we gotta to, keep yeah, the... Ishii's going to win. No doubt Ishii's going to the finals. So. Cannot right. speak Yano. Does Yano think... I mean, hopefully Owens beats Yano. That'd be my best case scenario. I mean, and people are going to go, how do you not like Yano? You're fucking... You're a grump. You don't like fun. And you know what I say to that? I say, yes, you are correct, correct. sir. I am a grump. And I do not like Yano's brand of fun. In fact, if I never saw Yano wrestle again, I'd be perfectly okay with that. How about that? Okay? Stick that in your Twitter pipe and smoke it. So we're going to go with uh, Ishii to keep the positive karma going. The one thing in this quadrant that I'm interested in, though, is Colt Cabana doing that diving Superman leg clutch finish that he does to Fale and how badly Fale is going to lodge. God, yeah. You know the move I'm talking about, oh, right? Oh, I do. Yeah, Fale is not going to l- allow that move to happen well. So Remember when Fale couldn't even get pinned properly against Will Ospreay uh, last year? Yes, I do. He was like a fucking dying turtle on his <laughs> yeah, back. It's like, just dude, just lay around. down. Like, you yeah. can't even fucking lay down anymore. You can't even keep your shoulders to the mat properly, okay? And the poor referee has to make the count. I don't know how Colt is going to do that move to this man. Like, he's going to dive over and try to clutch the legs. Right, and somehow bad luck Fale is gonna fuck it up. It's like a it's like a fucking lock. Either that or Fale is gonna give him the grenade and beat him. You know, one or the other. But um, anyway, that's the quirk and quadrant. We've got Tomohiro Ishii going to our final four. You confident? You want to move on to Aichi now on the yeah, seventh? Let's do that. Yeah, let's do that. Ishii coming through. So let's go. Kaz Okada against Jay White. Now, you're going to get these kind of matches sometimes because they've got to headline these shows. So you need a drawing match. So you get these big guns going against each other in the first round of the New Japan Cup pretty frequently. And in Aichi, they're being treated to Kaz Okada versus Jay White. Jay White, Rich, many people consider one of the favorites to win the entire tournament, along with Sonata. A lot of people think that will be the final. We'll see what Krejci thinks as we move along. 
So do you think Okada's getting knocked out in round one? I do. Yeah, I, I, Jay White is yeah one of my favorites to make it all the way through. Um, I don't think there's any reason for Okada to make it very long in this tournament. So yeah, I, I, I think Jay White beats him as kind of our first, what I would consider first true big upset of the entire tournament. Yeah, I mean, he's titleless now, Okada, and you can get away with beating him here. You can do some shenanigans, which I'm sure they're going to do. Um, you know, I, I, I'd like to see Okada hit a Rainmaker and pin this motherfucker just to, so people are ripping up their brackets. Like, that's what I'd like to see because people seem to be very confident of this White Sonata final. Uh, but, yeah, I'm going to have to agree with you. Let's put White through. Okay, I agree there. So, White is through. So we got another excellent match in Aichi. Is uh, Yuji Nagata versus Minoru Suzuki. These men are five and five all time in singles matches. A rubber match oh, here. Oh man, this could be the last time between these guys too. You never know. This is like a 19th century World Series where they played like a 13 game series. Remember that shit? <laughs> right. so like, this is like the, this is the game 11 of uh, Nagata versus Suzuki. Uh, so, and some uh, of those ended in ties, by the way, if you want to uh, some go of them through They were like, all right, well, we can't keep playing these games. So. Here's what would happen. They'd be like, I got to go back right, to the coal mine, so let's just end this thing. It's, it's a best of nine, and it's four to four, but we can't get a train to St. Louis to to, to, to finish it off, so we're just going to call the whole thing off, and it's a, we're going to do a, a fucking tie. But we're not going to get a tie here, Rich. we got no time limits in the New Japan Cup, so there must be a winner. Who is facing Jay White in round two? Yuji Nagata or Minoru Suzuki? The Boston Bean Eaters or the, uh, give me another old-timey team. Uh, the Dwarfs. Me. Wasn't it the, the Brooklyn Dwarfs or what were they? Let's the, go uh... with it. The Brooklyn Dwarfs. So I don't even know if that's correct. Who cares? But uh, we got Yuji Nagata versus, uh, we got the Dwarfs versus the, the, the Bean Eaters. So who you got here? Oh, man, I'm trying to figure out what the old Brooklyn team was. Uh, let me find that out before we do that. It's uh, going to bother you, isn't it? It is going to bother me. It wasn't the Dwarves. It was something similar to that. Uh, I am going to go. I like Eugene Nagata in this spot. Okay. I don't I don't like Jay White and Minoru as a second round. I kind of like yeah, Jay White being an asshole like... beating Nagata. Yeah. Yeah, it's a weird match, Suzuki versus White. I'm, I'm kind of with you on that. Let's put Nagata through. Uh, so we'll put the Bean Eaters through. Did you find out what Nork was? Uh, so they were the Super Boss for a while, but I think it was something else before that, too. So let me try to figure out what it was. Okay. It was some Brooklyn uh, franchise of some sort. Oh, my God. What were they? The uh, the Bridegrooms. That's the one I was trying to think of. Bridegrooms. There we go. So the Bean Eaters versus the Bridegrooms. All right. Then so. they were the Grooms. They were the Bridegrooms for three years. Then they were the Grooms. Then they went back to the Bridegrooms for three years. Whose lineage is this? Is this-, this is the Brooklyn Dodgers, uh, the current L.A. Dodgers. So this team is the current LA yes, Dodgers. Yes, that we're the, about. the the Brooklyn Atlantics, the Brooklyn Grays, the Brooklyn Bridegrooms, the Brooklyn Grooms, the Brooklyn Bridegrooms again, the Brooklyn Superbaz, then the Brooklyn Robins, then the Brooklyn Trolley Dodgers. So and now we know from there. Yeah. Wait, the Superbaz? What is that one? Super uh, they were the Superbaz for a long time, and I what is that? The word super and then the word B O Z B A S Superbaz. What I mean, is that? I have super no boss. fucking clue. <laughs> I don't even know what that means. Super boss. Some fucking sponsorship of somebody. Yeah, I, I have no idea where the super boss comes from. Oh, okay. It's like Boss Rutten doing a pro wrestling. Yeah, yeah, exactly. That's I might be mispronouncing it, but um Yeah, I don't know. Never heard that. But okay, so we'll put Nagata through. Uh we got Juice Robinson versus Alex Coughlin, or is it Coughlin? I say Coughlin. How do you say this motherfucker? Oh, didn't they they, they they said what it was, and I forget what it was, and I feel like Kevin Kelly has started to change it. I'm going it. Coughlin. 
I just I'm going. He Coughlin. said it. I think he said it was Coughlin, right? The other time, but I think everybody was kind of yeah, whatever. Who fucking cares? Coughlin. Juice, the point is, Juice Robinson's winning. This <laughs> yeah, game. it doesn't matter. <laughs> and then we've got David Finlay versus Tonga Loa, not Tonga. No Tama Tonga in this tournament, but we get Tonga Loa instead. Is that fishy? Um, can't be on purpose, right? Tama Tonga must be either injured or. Needed the date off or something. I mean, something's going on. Why would they put Tonga Loa in this thing and not Tama Tonga? Yeah, I don't know. Like a vacation, maybe. Maybe he's popping up in Ring of Honor or something. Or I, I don't know what it is. Yeah, it's, it's, it is a little strange. I agree with you. Uh, but you know, my instinct is to say they're going to give us the Finn Juice match, right? I mean, I think that's what everyone's going to pick here. The thing is, if they're giving us Yano and Cabana, that a little like same pattern in the other quadrant, the two tag team partners against each other. You know what I mean? Isn't that a little bit too much Axe versus Smash one and two in the Royal Rumble? <laughs> yeah, I agree. I, I I think Loa's going through here. Should we do? Should we be brave and put Loa through? Let's do it. I, I I like it. I don't like the idea of Finley and Juice and Yano and Cabana. Yeah, like you said, it's too much of the same. Here's what that eliminates as we move on to the next round. And you, I, it seems like you listened to my news update. A possible Jay White Finley regional final mm. rekindling their old feud right like that would eliminate that but it seems Does anybody like really care about that though i mean we do sort of but it's a good point you know you just dashed my dreams Sorry. nobody cares no one cares you make a good point what let's be brave and put loa through because i think we're going to knock him out next round anyway let's right? do it uh, do you want to know why they're called the super boss yes i got it for you so anyway this is uh from fan graphs uh, talking about when the Super Bowls were born. Uh, Foxy Ned was still a towering figure in pre-1900 baseball. His teams were built around the fundamentals and small ball. He was the uh, the manager. Uh, it was his Baltimore Orioles that originated the Baltimore Chop. Do you know what the Baltimore Chop is, Joe? Yes, it's a hard grounder into the dirt. Yep. And then you outrun it. <laughs> because uh, the fields are terrible and the runners don't yes. have spikes. and It's hard to get to the ball. And yeah, Dead ball era, so you're not hitting home runs. So you just get on base any way you can. Someone should have taught Billy Hamilton. The Baltimore Chop. Absolutely. should have learned the Baltimore Chop for sure. Yeah. Anyway. Uh, so the Super Bowls were even named after the Brooklyn team had been named the Trolley Dodgers for fairly obvious reasons. The trolley lines crisscrossed through the borough. Uh, but there was a popular vaudeville troupe in Brooklyn called Hanlon's Super Bowls. And when Ned Hanlon came from Baltimore to Brooklyn, sports writers jokingly began to call the sports team the Super Bowls. The name stuck, and that's how they were known for years. I almost gave you the Jim Ross sorry I asked. <laughs> Because that was a really shitty fucking story of how they, they were the super boss. But uh, can you believe people got mad at Jim Ross for that? Like, oh like disrespectful to Statlander. Like, that was a bit. He was doing the old, I'm sorry I asked bit. Which is like a hacky fucking comedy I bit. know. I, I'm the first one to criticize JR, but come on, guys. Like, Yeah, I mean, it was just, he was, it was self-deprecating. He was basically saying, you know what? I am too old for this shit. Is all he was saying. It was he was playing off of his reputation, and it was a cute little bit that he did with Excalibur. Can we calm down with this? I mean, and like you said, we're the first ones to get all over Jr. But this was not the time to get no, all over Jr. No. I thought it was funny. I thought you know I, I chuckled. Well, it was oh good God. too because Excalibur was like, well, uh, she comes from the Andromedan region, and then uh, she's landed on Area Fifty. Like because he's going into super detail, and it's just Jr. Yeah. You can tell he's kind of like. Oh, Jesus, these kids these days. It's kind of like a kids these days type thing. Yes. It's, or if it's you try exactly. to explain emo rap to like your grandma. Right. You know, she's like, so it's rap music. You're like, yeah, well, sort of, but not like really. And then she would just go, ah, you know, whatever. Who cares? Kids. Right. kids ah, and then just talk about, you know, 
what she watched it's, on Blue Bloods that week. You know, like, you know. Yeah, it's 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 Ross being self-aware, right? And and laughing at himself. Okay, it's not he's not always fucking out there and you know trying to insult everybody and take it easy on that. Pump the brakes on that one. But anyway. Let's put Tongaloa through okay. just because you know what this is? This is like when you fill out your NCAA tournament bracket and you're like, okay, I want to gain some points early on. So I'm going to pick an upset. No one's picking because I know I'm going to knock that team out anyway. So they're not going to blow. Right. Lehigh is going to lose in the next round, but let's just see if they get a good win here. So, like, right. So since we're picking juice anyway, it's like, it doesn't matter who we pick in the other one. So it's like, just pick the upset. And that way, if it comes through, we've got ourselves an edge. Exactly. So we're, right, right. so we're going to go with Tongaloa here. So now we've got Jay White versus Yuji Nagata. I think you already gave the reasoning for this one. Yeah. Jay's uh, going through here. Jay White will beat Nagata in that spot. And then he'll face Juice Robinson. Yep. Who will, Which is uh, great. That's a great match too. That makes up for uh, Ishii and Yano in the other category here. Uh, Jay White Juice. Incredible matches from these guys in the past too. And even more of a, I mean, like when you were trying to sell me on like the Finley Jay White thing. I mean, Jay White and Juice Robinson is an actual feud that actual people care about. So, yeah. So then, um, who will face Tomohiro Ishii in the final four? Will it be Jay White or will it be Juice Robinson? And do you have your phone handy? I do have my phone handy. Yes. I'm going to send you a text. The listeners can disregard that. But who do you like in the? Uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, who do you like in this Jay White Juice Robinson match to face Tomohiro Ishii? Uh, Jay White. For sure, going through to face Ishii. So. Okay, so uh, do you want to do the final four matchup now, or do you? Let's wait. Let's do the other two um, brackets and set up our final four, and then pick the final four. How about that? Yeah, sounds perfect. So now, move on to March eighth, the Amagasaki bracket. This is the top right, top right on your uh, New Japan Cup printable brackets. I think Chris Samsa put together a printable bracket. What's this site called? Plug uh, sportofprowrestling.com. So yeah, sportofprowrestling.com is where you can go uh, to get the printable bracket. We'll, we'll link it on our, uh, our, our pick them page as well. Uh, so you can check that out too. So this is the, uh, this is the region of death as some are term. Well, no one's terming it that I just termed it that this is the region of death. Uh, the loaded region. We have Hiroshi Tanahashi versus Taichi and Kota Ibushi versus Zack Sabre Jr. As the tag team champions each face their uh, their probable next challengers, the team that we we failed to mention that when we went over those shows, but oh right, yeah, the Dangerous Trackers came out and, and beat Dangerous Trackers came out and attacked them after they won the titles, so they'll face them in singles action. You would think that they would want to uh, ensure that one member of each team advances here to face each other in the next round, right? Yeah, I, w- I would say that's definitely the case, and I, I, I to me, it's pretty easy who you would make those guys adv- to that would advance. But but I'm I'm op- I'm open to interpretation. I'm open to seeing what you think. So Taichi and Kota. I see. I thought Tanahashi and Saber, but ah, here we go. Oh no. Oh <laughs> oh boy, we're here way go. off. We're way off. Okay, here we go. Um, I don't know. I'm just feeling Taichi here. Because it's New Japan Cup, and that feels like the kind of New Japan Cup upset that we see. Okay, I could buy it. Yeah, and Tanahashi has been sort of cycled-ish down, where, where maybe Ibushi, you want to keep the momentum up for him. And I could see Tanahashi being like, I don't want to wrestle fucking Zack Sabre Jr. in the next round and work hard again. and Just get me out of here. You know? Um, whereas Kota Ibushi Taichi, you know, so it's like, 
Um, but then it becomes a matter of who are you planning on sending through? Yeah. See, this is why I don't want Kotobushi this far into it. Cause it's like, you want Kota to get to the quarterfinals and lose to Sonata? Like, well, who you have losing to Sonata? I don't know. <laughs> I haven't thought that far ahead yet. <laughs> but we're doing this. You know, I don't know if you came up with your bracket. I did not. I, I don't I, even know if I have Sonata getting through. So that might see he's going to be an Mikey interesting Nichols guy. Yeah. Mikey well, no. Uh, guy <laughs> I mean, you know. Um, but see, I think people are selling Willow Spray short in the tournament. I in agree general. too. Yeah, I agree. I think there's a case to be made for Will for sure. But with that said, that means he has to beat Shingo twice in a row. This quadrant is impossible. People are going to be fucked. We might get one wrong. We might get one wrong in this quadrant. It might be unavoidable. So So we have to decide, are we going with you? Are we going with me in terms of the second round matchup between these two tag teams? Uh, Neither one of us are making very compelling cases for the twosomes that we're choosing. Um, I just think that Taichi over Tanahashi feels like a New Japan style upset. Um, and I feel like Tanahashi at this point in his career doesn't need to be wrestling two, three matches in this thing, singles matches. And I feel like Taichi could also get a cheap win over Tanahashi to sort of kind of, you know, uh, protect Tanahashi to some extent for losing the singles match too. Whereas Kota and Zack Sabre Jr., I kind of think it's like a coin flip. And if Taichi's going to win the other one, then Kota's got to win that one. So that's my argument for Kota and Taichi. Okay. I would say my only argument is who then, thinking ahead, if Kota Bushi goes through, yeah. does he beat Taichi or does Taichi beat him? I think that's the end of the road for Taichi. I don't think there's any point in him. I mean, you can make the argument that the dangerous techers have to have one of their guys go through to set up the tag title match. Right, but that seems a little weird, right? Like, you're, you have Taichi, but hmm, I could almost maybe sell that a little bit more. If you if you want to go Taichi and Kota, I'm fine with that, but I think then I want to have Taichi beat Kota Bushi. The problem, though, is because then at that point you're getting either Sonata or Will Ospreay versus Kota Bushi. That's a big-time match. That's or Sonata. Or Sonata or Shingo versus right, right, right. Um, now you're know. you're now with the way you're doing it, you'd put Saber through. Yes, because I think that's an easier way to have Kotobushi lose in that first round. Is to Zach Saber Jr. I don't think anybody would bat an eye at, at, at Kotobushi losing in the first round to Zack Saber Jr. via some nefarious or weird, you know, tap out or whatever. Because the problem is, the deeper you get Kotobushi in this tournament, then it becomes okay. Who is he losing to? You know, and with Saber, if we're putting him through, working under the premise of one of the two heels gets through, then he has natural rivalries with Sonata and Will Osprey. Mm-hmm. All right, let's do yours. Let's go Tanahashi and Saber. All right, I hope I'm not wrong. Not really the end of that. You've talked me into it. It's just it's clunky getting Ibushi up to that next level because he's going to beat. He has to be Taichi. There's no question about that. Or you get freaking Taishi in the corner. I mean, maybe that's the pick is Taishi in the quarterfinals, but uh, I, I, don't, I hate that. I, I don't want we that. Put, so. We pushed Yano far enough. I'm not doing a Yano Taishi. <laughs> right. I, I don't want the hellacious fucking. I mean, geez. Yeah. Okay. So then we've got, we're taking Sonata over Mike. <laughs> I think that's pretty safe. Yeah. Mikey Nichols was horrendous. Dude, can you imagine how bad this match is going to be? Oh, my it God. Be bad. It could be a really oh, bad. I'm already dreading it. Just Nichols. too fucking. 
crackers with butter or with like a drop of butter on them just generic mother like the most generic motherfucker like saltless saltine crackers or something like like what's what's the lamest like type of food you could possibly what's the most boring food saltine right the old saltine but like even saltines with salt at least you get a little kick of salt it's got to be like the you know heart healthy saltines or whatever that don't have any salt on them like just a toasted piece of white bread (laughs) right yeah just like you don't have butter you don't have jelly you got nothing just you get a toasted (laughs) piece of white bread and no beverage and you just gotta choke it (laughs) down you know yeah, like trying to work up some saliva. Um, yeah, Mikey Nichols is a toasted piece of white bread, and Sonata. You know, I'll give, I'll make him the saltine. Yeah, he's he, a saltine with some salt, maybe a Ritz cracker. You know, just like it's fine. You know, a, a, a replacement level cracker, but nothing like. But you got to consume this meal with nary a beverage in the house. You, you got to eat this cracker and this toasted piece of bread. And you got to just choke it down your dry throat. It just sounds awful, <laughs> you know. And um, and, and the thing about it is, the two of they they I could easily see them having bad chemistry too. Oh, for sure. Even worse. I'm really worried about that match. What I'm not worried about is Willow Spraver. <laughs> no. <laughs> yeah. Okay. <laughs> you know that's going to be fucking incredible. Now, my only pause here is is I think that you want to even it one one, right? I mean, that's typical Gato booking where you have two guys of sort of equal star power. Um, one of them's a, Shingo's a title holder. Let's not forget that. Um, so it really leads me to believe that Shingo's winning this. And it's weird because I do think Will is a legitimate choice to win the whole tournament. It's like you either have to knock him out in the first round or pick him to win it. Right, right, yeah. Hmm. I am leaning Shingo because he's the never champion. I don't think it's a good time to beat him. And he lost the first one. Right. We're going Shingo here? I think so. I think the championship's a huge deal. I mean, like, don't, don't underestimate. Like, if you're a champion, you're usually getting some preferential treatment if you're, if you're a singles champion. So, yeah, that's why I think Shingo has to beat him here. And I, I think it just makes more sense, too. And it helps, it helps expedite. You know, whenever they want to go down to that rivalry again, then, like you said, it's not two to one. It's, it's one to one. You know, yeah, I, I think all sense in the world makes it for, for Shingo. So, yeah, I, I agree. It'll be one one. And it wouldn't stun me at all if they do a match at MSG between these two. Right. Yeah. No, not at all. Because they got nixed. A promoter at Mania Weekend was told no. They couldn't do Willow Spray versus Shingo. Because New Japan presumably, putting two to two together, wants to save that in this market for themselves. So that makes even more sense why Shingo would win and even it up. So let's go Shingo here. Okay. Sounds good to me. So now we've got Zack Sabre Jr. going through against Tanahashi, right? And now we've got clear dominance for, for dangerous techers in terms of now Zack Sabre Jr. has beat both men and they're getting the title shot. Yeah, exactly. I think that just, to me, that works a little bit better. So Yeah. And then we've got Sonata versus Shingo. Now, that's kind of the rub of putting Shingo through. You're doing LIJ versus LIJ, which a G1 is one thing. It's easier avoidable in a in a knockout bracket. So, are we still sticking with Shingo here, despite the fact that we're forced to an Lij Lij match? Uh, what do you think? Yeah, I think I think so. I, I think that just works a little bit better. I think Sonata and Will makes a lot of. It, it really depends on how. Again, similar to the Kotobushi thing. If you think Will is going to go through and win this tournament, I don't. And that's the only reason why I wouldn't pick him. Again, I, if people want to pick him. I have no issue with that. I think it's actually a pretty good. People have given some pretty good reasons for Will maybe winning the entire thing. I'm not picking that way. I'm, I'm going a different direction. And if you have him 
you know, it's easy to have him, the best person for him to lose to is Shingo, right? Like that's the one that makes the most sense. It has the most history. It has all that sort of stuff. If he comes through, then, you know, he just kind of loses in the second round to Sonata. That's kind of like, I don't know, that doesn't seem very you know, fun or interesting or whatever. Or he goes through and faces Saber, but you don't want that because, like, these guys have just, they just had that. Like, you don't want to go well, back well, to that Well, and Saber, you could argue it's their third match in this little series. Mm, I guess. You're right. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and if Shingo loses to Sonata, I mean, is Sonata going to get a never shot? Are they going to do that match twice? This is such a tricky quadrant. You're right. You're right. Okay. Hmm. Hmm. So we might want to rethink. I, I'm, we, I'm okay, if you want to have Will go, yeah, that that. Oh, man, mm. because then you could avoid Shingo Sonata, but you're giving Will a two zero lead on Shingo, and you're beating the Never Champ. Right. That's tough. That's a this lot. Is tough. <laughs> this is not easy. Let's go Shingo over Will, and let's go. <sighs> Now, at this point, do you have Shingo run through and get a big push in this tournament? Maybe. Yeah, maybe not the worst idea. Man. Yeah, because who's he, who's he got to lose to? You know, he's going to have to lose to somebody down the line. I, I, I think he probably beats Sonata. I guess we could lose to Saber, but I guess you could also get... Oh, man, this is, I hate this. <laughs> Every other part was really easy. I don't know. I'm racking my brain with this. We could have been wrong about everything. We could, every one of our picks could have been wrong, and I would completely buy the exact opposite of every pick we've made so far. This quadrant stinks. <laughs> Man. <laughs> With the exception of Sonata Nichols, which is easy. Right. Everything else is, God, that's tough. Maybe, you know what? Maybe that's the key match that fixes everything. What if Nichols wins? You're right. Then it's easy to get everybody through. They can't. They wouldn't. Do that, no, right? I don't think so. I hope they wouldn't. I mean, Sonata's not exactly Tatsumi Fujinami. I mean, you know, it, it, but... Um, that would fix a lot of these issues, though. Because it's the Shingo Sonata matchup that bothers me. It does. Yeah, me too. It doesn't feel right. It doesn't feel right. Um, you want to switch it to Will Sonata? I could do that. That's fine. You like that better? I, something about Sonata Shingo bothers me. Okay, that's fine. And Will challenging for the never kind of makes some sense. Yeah, you know what? I just thought this through. Will beat Shingo, and then he's got the justification for a never title shot, and maybe that's an MSG match. Okay, yeah, 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 okay. You know, and then Shingo can get a win there. Let's go. You want to switch it? Let's switch it. Yep, yep, switch it. So so now Sonata will. What do we do there? Yeah, so then who faces Zack Sabre Jr.? Now it becomes a matter of who is... Who do we think is winning the tournament? Um, we don't think Ishii is winning the tournament. Remember, the winner is, is main eventing Sakura Genesis. That's a big-time show. We think White could win the tournament. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't think anyone in Kochi is winning the tournament, just looking at it. No. So it comes down to White, Will, or Sonata. So the Will-Sonata winner... Are we putting through Zach and putting them into the finals against Jay White? Or are they're not doing a Jay White Zach Saber Jr. final? So basically, whoever we pick out of Will and Sonata is beating Zach, right? I think so, yeah. 
because Jay White wouldn't face anyone in Kochi in a final. Maybe Goto. Goto's always a good tournament final loser. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. You know, that's not a, the, the worst idea. It's not a terrible idea. No. I, I, I'm probably going to have Sonata go all the way through. I don't love it. That's not how I would do it. You want to go Sonata White? Well, I, that's what I'm, but I'm, I'm, willing to, I'm willing to listen to your. My theory is if Will Ospreay beats Shingo, he should win the whole thing. But I'm open to him losing to Shingo. Do you see what I'm saying? I got you. Yeah. Um, but is it too soon in Will's career to win a New Japan Cup? That's the counter argument. Mm-hmm. It does seem like it is to me. So let's put Sonata through Will and Sonata through Zach. Okay. Want to do that? Yeah, that's fine with me. We ended up going pretty chalk on that, but that's what we'll do. I'm starting to like this Goto making it all the way to the finals thing, though, to lose. It's not bad. It's not the worst idea. All right, well, let's go to Kochi. Okay. Tenzan versus Yoshihashi. It's a tricky one. That's a tough one. I, I, my, I, yeah, I would say Tenzan, but I, I kind of think Yoshihashi, actually. I don't think they're giving that broken down motherfucker two singles. I, I don't think he can. Yeah, I, like he was. He looks. He looks worse than Nakanishi on that night. But losing to Yoshihashi is pretty down the fucking line. That's not. Good. You know, it's not good. It's um, like I don't think Kojima would lose to Yoshihashi. I don't think Nagata would lose to Yoshihashi. Yeah, I don't think. I don't know if Tenzan cares anymore. I think he's literally at like the that's fine. I don't need another singles match point of his career. Let's put. The bag of socks through. Let's do it. All right. So we'll put Yoshihashi through. Obviously against Kenta, right? Carl. You're a coward. You're a coward. It's Carl Frederick's time. With Shibata by his side. The LA Dojo boys. That's ah, Kenta. You know. I love I love the idea of Carl Frederick's with the upset. Here's the thing. They could do it. They could. I don't think it's a hundred percent. As crazy as that sounds. Um but I think it's like 99%. Right. I wouldn't pick it. Right. God, 1% of me is just hoping and praying it happens. I mean, it'd be a real good moment if Shibata is there and it, it's, it's a rival, you know, like it's Kenta's, part of Kenta's talking shit to Shibata and, and, and he gets like rolled up or yeah, something. Shibata, you know, Frederick just notices that he's not paying attention, comes from behind him, rolls him up. One, two, three. Yeah. And you, you got Kevin Kelly already pushing Kenta as the big favorite in the, in the bracket in the, in the fucking quadrant. Um, we gonna do this? <laughs> can't do this, right? It's hard to do. I, I can't then you gotta put Yoshihashi through. Yeah, that that's the problem. That I, I look at that next round. And well, listen, if we're putting Goto through the the, the region, does it matter? That doesn't matter, but man, that's a tough second round. But but we've said we've said in the beginning, he's a different young lion. They know this guy's a big deal. I, I <laughs> look. I'll bold. do it. I'll do it if you'll do it. It's a bold move that makes a lot of sense. He just had a title match. It's a it's a rival. You can get Shibata in the mix. It's a bold move. But then Yoshihashi's got to get to the regional final. Kochi. <laughs> <Which> is... <laughs> <laughs> I don't love it. <laughs> I don't love it. Fuck that. Kenta goes through. All right, that's fine. Kojima versus Evil. I want Kojima to win this. I do too, but it's, it's going to be Evil. It's not going to happen. Evil's winning the match. Look, he doesn't deserve to be with those old guys, man. You watch that match. 
I know. They tag him in, and he's just fucking bouncing off the ropes, throwing lariats. Dry, he does. He's not even dropping. Drop a sweat on this guy. Just dropping fucking. You know. Oh, so good. I'm up and down on evil, and right now I'm down. Nah, he I don't know. He doesn't do anything. For I've been me. saying for a while he stinks. I, I don't. It's just I'm up and down on him, and he's just not interesting. Is the thing. The thing about evil is he isn't interesting. Um. So Goto will beat Yujiro. I should note most of these, believe it or not. There's like 16 matches here, and like 11 of them are first-time matchups. That's how carefully they protect their singles matches. Goto and Yujiro have faced each other 15 times, and Goto is 14 and one against Yujiro. <laughs> so I don't think it's gonna be 14 and two, unfortunately. Now so. be 15 and one. <laughs> yeah. So Goto moves on. So we got Yoshihashi and Kenta. Yeah. So Kenta's beating the bag of socks. Absolutely. And then we've got. Goto, I think Goto will beat Evil because Goto, Kenta have had a... Perfect, yeah, exactly. And then um, I think Goto will win that. What do you think? Yeah, I, I like that too. So we got, okay, so our final four, as we have it, Ishii, White on the top, or the left of the bracket, and then Sonata and Goto on the right side or the bottom of your bracket. So, so we're going to put White through. I think so, yeah. White in the finals for sure. This That's one's tough. End. This one is tough. Like I, I came into this thinking Sonata... You just kind of dropped it in there. You just kind of mentioned it briefly. But, man, if you need somebody to lose in a tournament final. Goto's beating Sonata. I'm going to tell you why. Okay, go ahead. Sell me on it. I'm, I'm not, it's not going to take much, but, but sell me. Listen, Sonata's not winning this thing because they're doing Naito Hiromu at the anniversary show. They're not going to come right back with LIJ, LIJ again. Right? With Sonata versus yeah, I, I agree. I agree. So if he's not going to win the tournament, why even push him to the final? Let's just go with Goto. Because Goto is just such a finals loser. Like, it's a great role for him. Um, well, and he is a New Japan Cup legend, too. Because what's he, a three-time winner of that true. thing? So, yeah, this that's a good story. Yes. So we'll go with the white Goto final. But that means we're picking white to win the tournament and headlines Courage Genesis, right? But I'm kind of fine with that. I, I don't know about you, but that's... I'm fine with it too. It feels okay to me. Um, it feels like a match they would do in that spot. Um, so is that it? Put it on the board. Is that what we're doing here, uh, Jay White? Submit. Okay, VOW flagship official bracket. Submit. It's in. All right, there it is. <laughs> I, we should know. This is not what I want to happen. That would be a much different bracket. No, I want Carl Fredericks going through and winning the entire thing. <laughs> it's, what, it's what I want to happen. <laughs> yeah, I would pick Kojima over Evil. I'd have all kinds of yeah, shit. Oh, no, yeah. The, like the, the VOW, like what we want bracket looks very different than. Yes. Toriano, first round, he's fucking out. He's gone. Bad luck, Fowler. Right. He's, like, got him. Yeah. Absolutely. No yeah. bag of socks making it through. Like none of no. this bullshit. <laughs> this is the no fun zone. This is the no fun zone. Uh, we want action. Yeah, I'm doing David Finley, Juice Robinson, second round. I'm doing fucking doing David Finley, Jay White. I yeah. want to see those guys mix it up again. You know, so this is not what we want, but this is obviously the perfect bracket. Right. All these- it's it's what's going to happen. We have, yes. we have hereby decreed it. So I will never address it again, and we'll come on next year and tell you we got them all right. <laughs> That's how we're going to do this. Because I don't know what the hell we picked last year, but it was everything was right. Obviously, uh, so there's your new Japan Cup. 
preview. Yeah, absolutely. So uh, voiceofwrestling.com as well. As like I said, go to the right side of the website. You'll see a, a picture of Will Ospreay and Shingo. Just click that, and you'll be able to enter your predictions just like this. Or just go to voiceofwrestling.com. We'll have posts throughout the uh, the, the week as well, kind of detailing it. Or at Voices Wrestling on Twitter. We have it uh, tweeted out a, as well. We'll have it pinned by the time most of you guys read this too. So you can join. Uh, prizes, we're securing those right now, but you will get some prizes for your, your hard-earned time. You know. We'll people, figure it out. These people try to add. You know. Well, you're not going to win because our bracket is exactly perfect. right, and we're going to take on whatever prize it is. If so. we win, you get nothing. <laughs> right. That's right. That's that's how it works. We win, you don't get a prize. Uh, Rich is Goldberg defeating the Fiend on Thursday. This is a uh, a blood money show, correct? That's right. The showdown. Um, you know what? Before yeah. you answer that, okay, do you feel ahead. like there's less? angst towards the blood money shows now remember the first blood money show people were aghast refusing to cover it um just totally disgusted and i'm not suggesting that people aren't still disgusted but you think it's worn off a little i think it's worn off a little but i also think people don't really care about these shows at all anymore because i I feel like on, on the same like people aren't doing the you know stand at the top of the mountain and scream i'm not covering this for reasons and here's why but like people are also just not covering it because they don't think they really care that much yeah type thing you know what i mean like it's not necessarily they're doing it because they're 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 trying to you know stand out or or fight the power or whatever but more that like it's just like oh yeah these shows i think people have realized what the score is with these shows and that they don't really matter and they're bad and they're they're really bad and they're barely canon they're like barely part of the canon and they're horrible. So I think you're right. I think it's uh, a lot less. Yeah, like how much attention is it really worth to talk about the show? Yeah. yeah. I mean, not much. I mean, I, I, you know, your, your initial question that you let off with, it's not unreasonable that Goldberg goes out there, fucking throws a spear and, and beats the Fiend for the title. I mean, why not? Really? All depends on the mania direction, right? <laughs> I mean, to, honestly, I'm more into mania if it's fucking Goldberg versus Roman Reigns than I am for the Fiend versus oh. Roman Reigns. God, not even close. I have zero interest in The Fiend. None. It's, I almost have negative interest in the, in, the, in the sense that he makes me less interested in the show. Oh, absolutely. For sure. Um, whereas Goldberg, I can get into Goldberg, even if it's a two-minute match. Um, will Ricochet defeat Brock Lesnar <laughs> in the desert? In front of me, yeah. I was, I was told by uh, one Paul Heyman that this is the most important match of Brock's career. Because um, if he loses... Oh, listen, Paul's trying. If he loses, he doesn't get to main event WrestleMania. Yeah. And, and Rick O'Shea gets to main event WrestleMania. But uh, the only question Paul, is... Paul is a promoter and an advocate. <laughs> absolutely. Uh, the only question here is, does he last 18 seconds or 180 seconds? As I guess is the bigger question. So The matches in the desert are always short. None of these wrestlers care. They want to get in and out. And it's a Brock match. <sighs> Rick O'Shea, the Irish hero, might be getting squashed here, Rich. This could be a sacrificial lamb in the build to WrestleMania. Do you think he gets Kofi'd? I think he gets Kofi'd, yeah, for sure. I think he gets Kofi'd. Um, but you know what? <sighs> Maybe a flurry of high spots, but he gets beaten under three minutes. How about that? Uh, yeah, I could buy that. Like maybe a little bit of something. You know, he, he does one Hurricane Rana or he does one little like thing that you're like, oh, wait a minute. And then, yeah, then he just gets picked up and fucking dropped and it's over. Kofi got 10 seconds. Somewhere between Kofi and, uh, <laughs> right. and somewhere between Kofi and Fergal Devitt. Did I just say Fergal Devitt? You did say Fergal Devitt. Yeah, you did. That's, that's, like, not, that's like three names ago. Somewhere between 
Kofi. What the fuck is his name? Oh, Finn Balor. Somewhere between Kofi and Finn Balor. In, in the Brock kind of match, right? How about that? I think so, yeah. That sounds about reasonable. I don't know what else is on the show. I just know those two. <laughs> okay, let me, uh, so. let's fire it up here uh, real quick. Let's see which wrestlers may or may not be able to fly home. There's some kind of gauntlet thing that Rusev pulled out of or something. Yeah, and, so um, uh, we have Seth Rollins versus Murphy, or Seth Rollins and Murphy uh, versus the Street Profits. Raw tag right. titles. Uh, right. Bailey versus Naomi in a historic first women's championship match. So it'll be covered head to toe oh again. Oh my and- god, they'll have crying pictures of Bailey, and every yeah. wrestling website will be fucking falling over themselves to run PR for WWE to tell about the first ever women's championship match and in, in right. Riyadh. So yeah, there you go. Oh, is that the angle here? Like it's not the first women's match. Yeah, I saw. I saw. It's like Naomi speaks on having the first women's championship match in oh, Saudi Arabia possibly- history. I'm like, fuck you. <laughs> who could possibly give a flying fuck? I mean, no one cares. Not a single person cares except Naomi and Bailey. And they might not even care. They might just be pretending to care. No one fucking cares. God, do I have to go? I'm not doing that rant. Nah, we'll do it. We can, I guess we can do it next week when people fall over themselves to do that PR. So. God, it means nothing. It means less than nothing. It's just garbage. Ooh, interesting. So I just, uh, I, I was, uh, I'm doing a Google Street Views of, uh, of Rehad's Saudi Arabia right now. And yeah. I just randomly dropped onto an area. And there's a Fuddruckers here. <laughs> Can you imagine wow, a Fuddruckers in Saudi Arabia? Would have never guessed. <laughs> I'm like, is this true? Fuddruckers. Like, huh? we don't even like Fuddruckers here. <laughs> like, no. No. It's like, I liked it as a child because I could put as much, like, nacho cheese as I wanted on my burger. But, yeah. yeah it's like, build your own deal. Yeah. Yeah. It's, but yeah. <laughs> they're, they're really, they're almost all out of business for us. So. Yeah, they're not doing well. Yeah. yeah well, they're, they're, in, they're in Saudi Arabia. So, there you go. Yeah. Um, yeah so, you have the, some trophy. I don't even know what the fuck, <laughs> this, how to pronounce this. Yeah. Some I'm not even going to say it because I'm just going to mispronounce it anyway. Who fucking cares? Uh, AJ Styles, Andrade, Bobby Lashley, Rowan, R-Truth, and Rey Mysterio in a gauntlet match for the uh, yeah. to wake something or another. Um, <sighs> to determine the shit. best in the world of <laughs> right, the world, right, like something. Shane McMahon or whatever. Yeah. <sighs> Roman Reigns versus King Corbin in a steel cage match. <laughs> yeah. That's torture right there. The Saudis might do some forms of torture, but nothing is to- more torturous than watching those two. Fuck around in a cage match for ten minutes. So. That is all. That sounds awful. Um, Brock Lesnar versus Ricochet, as you mentioned, and then their new day, Kofi and Big E uh, versus John Morrison and The Miz in the SmackDown tag, SmackDown tag Team Titles. So, all right, a little four minute match there. That's actually The Miz. Wasn't The Miz always finding ways out of these shows? Was he? I think he was. Well, I guess when you get a new baby, <laughs> these are what this is Thursday. Uh, Thursday, yes. My bir- my birthday. I get to celebrate my birthday by watching the. Uh, the kingdom of Saudi Arabia. It's always like at like one in the afternoon, right? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I, I love watching these though. Cause they're just, they're spectacles, man. They're just something else. They're just, they just feel so different and the wrestlers just don't care. And, um, I'll be there, man. I'm pay, I pay my nine ninety nine. I'm going to get my money's worth. So there's your in-depth review. Uh, pre- <laughs> I mean, what do you say? What do you say? What is this, Crown Jewel Super Showdown? This is Super Showdown, which, my God, when you talk about naming mechanism, we were talking a little bit, like, last you know week about uh, this show became, you know, pro, and then this one. So the first Super Showdown was in Australia. Yeah. The Down Under made sense, right? Then in yeah. 2019, they decided the Super Showdown should actually be the Saudi Arabia shows. Yeah. 
So now it's back-to-back shows in Saudi Arabia were called Super Showdown, but in 2018, the super, first Super Showdown, Super Show-Down yes. was, in, was in Australia. Now Super Showdown, one word, those have been in Saudi Arabia. Yeah. So the, one is Super Showdown, the other is Super Showdown. Yes. Yeah. So I don't know if it's technically the same lineage. Very confusing. Yeah, I don't. I wonder why they got away from Crown Jewel. I think they just don't want any like Middle Eastern imagery as least as possible. Just we'll call it Super Showdown. It's a, just a generic, basic name. Because um, remember, they weren't even they weren't even saying Saudi Arabia for a while there, but they've gone back to saying Saudi Arabia. Because things, like I said, things have really cooled off on that front. People aren't as aggressive against these shows as they I think they just like you said they just see them as and I think people see WWE as kind of getting fucked on these shows they haven't gotten paid for them right and sometimes they don't get to fly home after them so so it's like yeah I don't, <laughs> there's a lot of like shade and Freud involved with how shitty it ends up being for them anyway and they're just weird man they're just fucking weird some I'm, I'm, I'm street viewing here um, again <laughs> I found a, uh, <laughs> I found a fat burger next to an IHOP. Well, they like their burgers. They do like their burgers, apparently. Yeah. Uh, the unfortunate, or the kind of the weird thing about all these street views is there's no humans anywhere. <laughs> They're just like these empty buildings with these American logos on them. I don't even. Hmm. I don't know if they were just taken at a weird time where nobody was there or what's going on. But there's like no cars. There's no people. Cool <laughs> ah. man. Fucking. Fucking rehad. So there you go. There you go. Coming to Saudi Arabia. Well, hopefully, uh, hopefully they can all fly home on Friday. But um, we'll see. We'll see. Yeah. <laughs> we'll see what happens. Well, it depends what the. Uh... Well, did you see that they they said they weren't going to use the same charter company? Ah, the charter company. Yes. Well, I don't. Well, did you? Well, the plane pulled up in Winnipeg, and it was the same charter company. <laughs> <laughs> so they told everybody we're not going to use the same company. And then when the plane rolls up, it's the same company. Yeah, so, so their fake thing was, ah, it was the charter company that kept us from flying out, so we're going to change right. it. And then, you know. The <laughs> and The Undertaker got on the plane. Oh, fantastic. Yeah. No match, though. They Probably an angle with AJ. Yeah. So AJ will win the dopey tournament or whatever, right? The trophy, yeah. And then Undertaker will shoot his angle with them, maybe, or something. I can't wait. <laughs> right. For their big mania match. So who asked for that match? I don't who the fuck knows. What a company's disaster. This company's terrible. Yeah, it's not good. It's hard to get into, Rich. Can we, okay, can we uh, real quickly, uh, not to yeah. we, we some other, we, we gotta, we're we're up against the clock here. We got yeah. maybe a few more things to touch on, but I think we're the day we're recording this, I believe we're one year to the date of Roman Reigns announcing that his cancer was in remission. Okay. How does any wrestling company in the history of the universe, besides this company right now in this moment, turn that guy into a just a guy on the roster? You know, at the time of that announcement on Raw, I didn't say it because I didn't want to... It was too touchy. But a year later, I'm going to say it, and I think you're going to agree because you just basically did. That should have babyfaced him for life. He should be the biggest babyface on earth. It's a fucking ever. layup. Any other promoter, any other period of history would say, hey, one of our guys had cancer. Now he doesn't, and he's coming back. And oh, by the way, he's been our top guy. That should have gotten him over the hump forever. Him 
Now, listen, it was horrible that the guy had cancer, okay? So don't put words in my mouth. But the fact he overcame it, like you're saying, is a layup. It should have gotten him over the hump with all the people that that ever booed him, but now people are right back to booing him. Mm -hmm. Not as nasty as they were before, but they couldn't even leverage this real-life I hate to call it a gift that they were handed because we're talking about someone having cancer. But of course, you get what yeah, I'm yeah, yeah. Most most reasonable people know what you're trying to say. He overcame Just, it, right. so it's all good, right? So he overcame it. So it's like this is why I was never going to go down this road last year. It was too hot, too touchy, and Meltzer was in hot water and all that nonsense. So I wasn't going to catch any residual heat. But a year later, I think you could talk about this. My God, that he should have been. He should be the biggest baby face on earth today, and he should have finally gotten over the hump and he should be the mega star that they've been trying to make him into all along and they still managed to fuck it up it's it's incredible i'm so glad you brought it up because it's an excellent point and then uh i mean we shouldn't be surprised because this company also found a way to make daniel bryan who everybody loved and had to retire come back and then force him to or he had to force himself to turn heel within like six months yeah so i mean we shouldn't be surprised but yeah they botched the Daniel Bryan return and a real life defeat of cancer. They botched those two things. What the fuck? You know, it's like you almost can't do that on purpose. Yeah. Like imagine like Magnum TA getting back in the ring after his car crash and blowing it. (laughs) And And then it's just like a year later. You're like, Oh yeah. Magnum TA. Yeah. Didn't you get into like a horrific car crash? Yeah. Do you watch the SmackDown? I have to ask. Uh, I not really. No. Do you want to know what Daniel Bryan's current program is? Not really. Do I? (laughs) You're going to think I'm lying to you. Okay. He's currently in a program with Heath Slater. No. I'm not. Come on. I am not. What's the basis? No. The proverbial leg. I'm going to tell you. This is what Daniel Bryan's doing on TV. He faced Heath Slater a couple weeks ago and beat him like in a squash, right? Mm-hmm. Because Heath Slater is like a big mouth. He got him in the ring. He beats him in a squash. Following week, Daniel Bryan is bantering in the back with the invisible camera with Drew Gulak. <laughs> and Drew Gulak is saying to Daniel okay, Bryan. How can I make sure you're not lying here? Is there, is there a way that I can do this without watching? I, I wouldn't. I, I promise you. Okay. So Drew Gulak is saying to Daniel Bryan. I've been studying your tape. I put together a PowerPoint presentation of your weaknesses. I feel like I could really help you. Daniel Bryan's just looking at this man like, you're a 205 Live geek. How are you going to help me? Like, that's the look he's giving him, right? And, uh, and Gulak says, and I studied your match against Heath Slater, and I saw some holes in your game. And Heath Slater, Rich, just happens to be walking by, because why wouldn't he? Heath Slater says, I heard my name brought up. So he starts talking about how Daniel Bryan made his kids cry by beating him last week, and only he makes his kids cry. So is Heath Slater a child abuser? Is that what they're telling us? But that's neither here nor there. So put that aside. Yeah, what a weird line. So then... Wait, hold on. That's a very weird line. It's a real line. He said, you beat me and made my kids cry, but only I make my kids cry. And I'm like, what? Are they saying he beats his kids? Like, what's happening? Yeah, that's very odd. Okay, move um, on. So, uh, and I'm not making any of this up. This is what Daniel Bryan is doing on a week-in, week-out basis on SmackDown. 
So uh, Daniel Bryan says to Drew Gulak, uh, well, well, Heath Slater, he wants a rematch. He's like, because I'm tired of this shit. Now you're talking about me. And Daniel Bryan says to Drew Gulak, well, uh, if you know all my weaknesses and all the holes in my game, well, then uh, why don't I, I'm going to blow it. I don't even remember because it was so absurd. I think I was still wrapped up in the Heath Slater saying that he beats his kids. But then he said, why don't you wrestle Heath Slater? Or why don't you wrestle me? I don't know what the end result was. Rich, I changed the channel. <laughs> I was going to say, who fucking cares but at this point? This is what Daniel Bryan is doing. Oh He's in a God. program with Heath Slater on SmackDown. Now you can look it up. And actually, you can find out what match they actually ended up doing. Uh, whether it was a rematch or... Uh, but I think they did... I think he wrestled Heath Slater again because I think... There were people saying, well, at least we might get Daniel Bryan and Drew Gulak out of this, and that might be really good. The problem with that is it's going to be a main roster WWE Daniel Bryan Drew Gulak match. You think you're getting fucking 18 minutes like it's 205 Live? Oh, God. And they're going to be exchanging holds? No, you're going to get comedy. It's going to be shit. Especially because it's on SmackDown. SmackDown, which is basically the Bruce Prichard, let me appeal to Vince McMahon in every conceivable way. Fucking two hours. Right. I'm not going to challenge him on anything. I'm not going to open his it's, mind up to new ideas. It's just like no. absolute fucking boilerplate. Yep. Lowest right common denominator. Yeah, fucking yeah. Right. Right. You know what? He probably Vince probably reviews that show and goes, ah, Bruce, fantastic. And closes. Ah, this is just this real good shit. Yeah, puts the puts the thing down and goes, ah, fantastic. And then eats his, his steak. He's, and <laughs> He's got kids. Yeah. And, and then here's the scary thing. Daniel Bryan is kind of calling a lot of his own shots. Like he's turning shit down. He's pitching his own stuff. He's, he's, a, this is like the best they have. <laughs> this for is him. what they came through with. This is the shit that like he's saying yes to. He's saying yes to the Heath Slater Drew Gulak stuff. What the fuck is he saying no to? Right? So who did he end up wrestling anyway? What was it on SmackDown? Did you put? Did you look that up? No, let me, let me no. see. If I Why would I do that? <laughs> I thought we were going to get to the bottom. Let me see if I still have it on the DVR. Uh, it says on February 21st, he faced Heath Slater. I say, did the rematch. Yeah. I assume he won. I assume he did, too. Okay. So. Uh, oh, that's right. He said, okay, since you know all my whole. That's what he said. I remember now. He said, well, since you know all the holes in my game, instead of trying to help me out, why don't you help him out? That's what he said. So then Brian walked away, and then Gulak and Slater, like, huddled up. And Gulak was like, all right, so last week, this is what, and then, like, they faded the black. You see? That's what they did. Jostled my memory. Sounds fucking incredible. (laughs) So Daniel Bryan is feuding with Heath Slater, the literal bottom man on the roster, by the way. Mm-hmm. Well, which show is No Way Jose on? <laughs> I guess it doesn't matter. Um, he's feuding with Heath Slater, managed by Drew Gulak. That's what he's My doing God. on SmackDown. <laughs> and no, as you can see, I'm not making a single word of that up. They have like 250 people on their roster. <laughs> yeah, that's what they're doing with Daniel Bryan. 
what are those dream match? I'm sure that was on the list in one of the in the dream match tweets we were getting. So ah uh, yeah yeah everyone. I'm sure that the Heath Slater managed by Drew Gulak versus Daniel Bryan was one Daniel that was. Bryan. Yeah, what would we do if we hadn't gotten that? I mean, right. thank God Daniel Bryan resigned with this company. This was clearly like the best a, thing. You know, feed his child, you know. That's, that's good. Yes. Yeah. Other. Yeah. He would have been poor. Number <laughs> one. Despite the fact he was already a millionaire, and um and and we would have been deprived this Heath Slater feud. So, rather that than like a hair versus hair match versus Blue Panther that he's been wanting to have for twenty five. Right, exactly. Yeah. Well, that's his fault too. So, or a, or a G one. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Absolutely. I mean, you know, here's the thing about these WWE wrestlers, and you've made this point many times. I will feel bad for them the first time they complain. I have all kinds of sympathy. It goes away when they resign and when they put their name on the contract. Right. When you're you Sasha take Banks, the money, yeah. I don't want to hear it. Once you take the money, I don't want to hear it anymore. Okay, I don't want to hear Shelton Benjamin. I don't want to hear Daniel Bryan. <laughs> the Shelton one is fantastic. As he's resigning, yeah, I'm not very happy with what I'm doing here. At, uh, hold on one sec. Let me. Okay, yeah, no, I'd really like to be used better. <laughs> you fucking signed the contract, you dummy. Like, uh, you listen, yeah, Sasha Banks. I don't want to hear from any of them. Which is fine. Go for the money, and th- it's yes. the thing I've always said about the, the Pete Dons and the Trent Sevens of the world. If you want to say, hey, look, this is a good opportunity for me, and this is what I want to do because it makes me the most money, and it's the easy, whatever you want to do, I'm fine with that. I have no issues. But eh, you can leave the bitching at home if you're going to do that. That's it. Once you take the money, I don't want to hear another peep out of you. That's it. Same for Revival if they resign. Not another peep. Yeah, Matt Hardy when he inevitably does too. Matt Hardy if he resign, I don't want to hear it. I don't want to hear. It. I don't. I don't want Rebby Hardy. Going on Twitter complaining that they're shutting down his idea. No, you took the money. And once you take the money, I don't want to hear it anymore. Go for it and get the money. I'll support that too. But then you no more bitching. Right. And we and, and people get really mad when you say that on Twitter. And like I've gotten people getting really well, you're allowed to complain about your job. Yes and no. I work a job where I have a lot of freedom. I don't get paid as much as I could get paid at other places. But the reason I do that is because you know, I prefer to have the job where I have a little bit more freedom and a little bit of an ability to do my, you know, what I want to do. You're the same way as well. You talk about that all the time where you could work in big time franchise, you know, companies or whatnot, but like, you don't want to do that. Yeah. And it'd be the same thing. If I went and took a job at some giant place and got paid a lot more for some debt, a job that I knew was a dead end job, then I'm not allowed to go, Oh man, this job's dead end or, Oh, they don't listen to me. Well, of course not. (laughs) You knew that going in. Okay. These are also professional, athlete slash entertainers it's not analogous to me and you you know middle class nobodies it's not the same you can't it's not even an apple to apple comparison right, i'm not that much of a valuable asset whereas dana bryan is a valuable asset and and if you complain and complain and complain in the run-up and then you choose to take the money then you've made your decision and and i don't want to hear you i'm not going to listen to you complain and pout and i don't want to care about your pouting because at that point you were aware of what you were getting into because you were unhappy before, but you valued the money over your happiness. So now I, I don't want to hear a peep out of you. That's it. You know, it's like, then you've made it clear what was more value. And that's okay. I, I'm okay with you making the right. Own it. Own it. Say I wanted the more money and this that's is right. comfortable. And my wife has a job now and yada, 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 all that sort of It's fine. I don't care. You're going to sign an, on a dotted line and go and re up for another three, five, seven years, whatever it is. And it's magically going to change. It's not, they're just hoarding you and you need to recognize that. And if you make that choice and take the money, great. No more bitching out of you. Yeah. It, you're not allowed anymore. Uh, no more sympathy. You could do it, but you're not getting any sympathy. 
that 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 ends if you take the money. So you're right, Brian. It's on him too. He's he's miserable from from certain accounts, and you know, and and turning down shit left and right. But he put himself in that position. So that my sympathy ends. Absolutely. I had sympathy before his contract was up. Yeah. Oh, of course. Yeah. Always. You know, it's like if he, oh, he wants to go and do all these things. Not anymore. You can't. It's not fair. All right. We are just about out of time, though, Joe. Real quickly, though, let's uh, touch on these last two uh, news topics here. Uh, WrestleMania weekend sales and uh, ticket sales going on. This was a note in the Wrestling Observer last week. A uh, quote here from Dave Meltzer, WrestlingObserver.com. Uh, by the way, uh, WrestleMania isn't sold out, but there are only a few thousand tickets left on the primary market, so overall it is doing well. The other shows are mixed. None of the other shows are sold out and have plenty of seats left. The demand for non-Mania shows is by far the lowest since WWE started doing the multiple shows in Mania City gimmick. This would indicate the number of people traveling to Tampa will be way down as compared to past years. Yeah, um, you know, we might be reaching that saturation point that we talked about a couple of weeks ago. So, Mania will do, you know, 60,000 fucking people or whatever the fuck that Yeah, oh yeah, it'll be as as full as it can possibly be, you know? Yeah, they'll come close or they'll come close to selling out or they'll do so much that it doesn't matter that it's not a technical sellout cuz they're going to sell 50,000 tickets or whatever. Um, but yeah, the other WWE shows not doing well, including Hall of Fame which has the entire upper deck curtained off not even for sale. Uh, is something else, and uh, you know, Takeover struggling, and and, and 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 as far as the indie shows go, outside of Janela and Bloodsport, you know, uh, supposedly, allegedly, a lot of those are struggling as well, which is to be expected because there's a million shows and they're all the same. So, um, you know, they're all these theme shows with the same wrestlers on them, and how much comedy can people take? Right. And 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 like we talked about a couple weeks ago, just the fact that the travel. I mean, people. Went to Wrestle Kingdom. People go to these AEW shows. People know that New Japan's coming to Madison Square Garden. And they're going, well, hold on now. Maybe I'm not going to go to Tampa. Maybe I'd rather go to New York in August and go see the uh, New Japan show. So that's a factor as well. That's a big factor. Just more traveling events uh, for wrestling shows now. And when the WrestleMania weekend lineup doesn't look super attractive, because it doesn't, and people could argue with this, but it just doesn't look like a super attractive lineup. I mean, thank God for that Ring of Honor show. And thank God for the New Japan wrestlers being there. Otherwise, it would look even worse because um, the indie talent's down. So when it doesn't look attractive and WrestleMania itself doesn't even look like it's going to be super attractive, well, this is what you're going to get. So it's not surprising. We kind of saw the writing on the wall last year with the oversaturation, and we're reaching a point this year where, uh, you know, combination of a, a so-so city with a very weak looking lineup of peripheral shows and a WrestleMania card that's looking shaky and new Japan coming in August and AEW rolling. And it's a perfect storm. Yeah. It really is a perfect storm. Yeah, the, the city I think matters a little bit as well. Cause it's like Tampa's not really a destination city, you, you know, yeah. like, you know, I went to New York last year because it's like, I had never been to New York before. So I'm like, look, yeah, it's a perfect opportunity to go see New York for the first time and, 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 and go to the, but yeah, Tampa, I mean, I've been to Tampa and I'm really not in a big hurry to give it. No offense to people that live in Tampa. It's a fine. I, I don't mind it, but it's like, is it worth, you know, thousands of dollars to go to Tampa in April? Not really. You know, that's again, nothing against Tampa directly or people from Tampa. It's just like, you know, it's not a destination city for people. It's not a, a thing that you can parlay into. It doesn't, it doesn't feel like a vacation or a big spot to be in. It might be different LA next year. 
That's like, oh, cool. It's Los Angeles. It's a big, you know, big city, all that sort of stuff. Tampa's Tampa. Again, no big offense to Tampa, but it's just, it, it's under that same cachet. Added in with the other stuff, like you said, the shows aren't really that attractive. There's so many other players in the marketplace that, yeah, it, it's totally plausible that people that were going to New York and going to New Orleans and going to all that sort of stuff are going, hey, look, you know, I can travel for wrestling, but I can go to any number of different things this year. Not necessarily need to go to WrestleMania weekend because it's, it's not a need to go to event anymore. The weekend. It really isn't. It's just not. This year, it doesn't look... I mean, you've got four venues running again. You've got the collective venue, the WWN Live venue, the WrestleCon venue, and the fake Game Changer venue, right? So you've got four different hubs running at the same time, running 9, 10, 11 shows each. Uh, Well, the WWN's only running like four. Well, they're running like six shows, I think, still. So... And then you've got the Ring of Honor show, and then you've got the WWE stuff with three or four, well, five or six shows you can't roll on SmackDown and all the access nonsense. So you've got like six different hubs. It's just too, it's too much. It's, yeah. it's this oversaturation, you know, and, and, you know, it, it, you know, maybe next year in LA, uh, you know, because it's a longer distance for some of these East Coast based promotions to travel and all that, we'll see it cut down a bit. Um, but you know, some of the West coast guys are going to get involved when they were in Santa Clara. We saw that. Um, and I really, you know, it's not, I don't know, but it's, you could see why the tickets aren't moving as quickly as they were, even for some of the biggest shows. Absolutely. Uh, and then real quickly before we sign off here, pressing Noah announced a, uh, a relatively big show, uh, March 23rd in Cork and hall, uh, real quickly. What are the details on that one? Okay. So I didn't get through the, 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 show on the 23rd or the 24th i forget the exact date which set up a lot of this but um uh takashi sagara defended he successfully uh oh all japan we're doing all japan we're oh doing- sorry sorry i was i was doing pressing noah first but uh noah where am i looking for noah oh i didn't get through um i'm looking through my notes i didn't finish watching that that uh noah show yet but sagara he beat Kato Kiyomiya, and his next defense of the national title is going to be against Minoru Tanaka. So we've got Minoru Tanaka versus uh, Takashi Sagara. I don't know the date on that. And the next, uh, it's Go Shiozaki versus Ironhead Fujita. And I can't find date for any of this in my notes. Uh, those are the two matches off the top of my head. I don't know if you have them noted or you were. I, yeah, on. I was having a tough time finding them as well. Okay. So, so I was th- that's through Twitter and stuff to find them. And yeah, I was having a tough time getting them all together. So, well, those are the two big title matches coming up. So it'll be uh, and and the Goshiozaki Ironhead Fujita match is going to be so dependent on Goshiozaki just letting that guy beat him up because he's fifty years old and he don't he doesn't move super great, but um, you know he 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 can deliver if you're willing to allow him to work stiff with you. And then it's interesting that Takashi Segura is facing Minoru Tanaka. Cause that's, that's a junior challenging for that GHC national right. title. So it's kind of has an open weight, um, feel to it. And then all Japan announced their next cork and for, uh, their next big cork in March 23rd. So we know those big title matches too. It's going to be Kento Miyahara versus Suwama. And Susumu Yokozuka, who um, had another great junior title defense, this time against Yusuke Okada, um, which you should probably watch from a couple days ago. 
um, on the current tour. His next okay. defense is against uh, Izanagi, um, who attacked him in the post-match. Izanagi is the former Murayama, who's the former Tiger's Mask, uh, who uh, took on this new persona This uh, is part of that new heel group in, in Noah. No crowd reaction for that attack, so the, the match isn't hot. But Yokozuka's uh, title reign has been great so far. I mean, the title win and the two defenses against Akira Francesca and uh, Yusuke Okada have both been excellent. Uh, so Yokozuka has really injected uh, some freshness into the All Japan uh, junior scene because all the matchups are fresh and he's really good. He's an awesome wrestler. So those will be two title matches on uh, for All Japan and Cork in next month. And they also announced Jinsei Shinzaki will be on that show. So they didn't say the match, but little Hakushi action. Yeah, can't wait. I mean, I, I say that, but he's he's never very good. No, he's never very good. Like it's he cool when he comes out, and then you're like, yeah, and then the bell rings. You're like, ah, oh, he, he hasn't been good in years. Right. He's he just he works such a slow pace, and I'm sure there's some deep pro nerds who think he's like still great, but he really isn't. Yeah, well, um, the only thing I do like is when he gets himself in a barrel and falls off at like the Space War thing or whatever every year uh, for Michinoku Pro. But yeah, his stuff anywhere else is is usually pretty terrible. So yeah, he's all presence at this point. I mean, he's old. I mean, I don't care that he isn't very good. He's in reasonable shape, but I mean, if you're looking for vintage Jinsei Shinzaki, I mean, if you're looking for Bret Hart versus Hakushi from that, you're not getting that. I mean, he's just, it's, it's, you know, he's fucking old. He's been wrestling for 35 years. So, um, but it's always nice to see him pop up a couple times a year. Was a great Sasuke that, yeah, never mind. I, I it's great Sasuke. Yeah. I was going to correct you. I, please do. Yeah, no, I'm sorry. People already, I've already got, we've already gotten 12,000 tweets. It's fucking midnight. I woke up at 4 a.m. It's really late in the show, and I was just going to let it hang no, there. I, I'm, I'm thinking about it as I said it. I'm like, ah, Rich, was that right? It wasn't right. And I thought about it in my head. It's, just, to say, just to save our Twitter mentions, I know it's it, great Sasuke. Thank you. Do you remember the Janela show in New Orleans where Janela wrestled great Sasuke and they fucked up? They tried to set up that barrel spot. For what felt like an hour, and <laughs> what is it like? It's like three a.m. for you guys too at that time. It's like too, right? four in the morning. Yeah. I just want to go back to the room. I'm like, I fucking hate this. <laughs> I hated that match. That show was so long. I really don't need Spider Nate Webb doing the teenage dirtbag entrance for the for the clusterfuck going all around the. It, I'm like, it's two forty five in the morning. Can you get in the ring, please? Yeah. Can we get in the ring, please? I've been there. I mean, spring break, I'll never do it again. It, it's like you should experience it once. That's enough. It's enough for me. No more spring breaks for me. Uh, not live, anyway. I don't think I'm going to Tampa, though. I think I've made that decision. Oh, I've heard. Yeah, yeah, you're, you're bailing. I think I might do a gimmick. Well, I'll hold off. Yeah, 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 yeah. We'll, I'll we'll hold off till next week. A little stuff behind the paywall. Patreon.com slash Voices of Wrestling. Um, you know, get in. It's going to be Rich, a hub uh, tell-alls. Yeah. Um, you know, March and April are going to be big. I can promise you that. Because I tell you what, if I don't go to Mania, I, I maybe I could do the Carnival every night. Um, since Carnival, you know, Mania weekend interferes. You know, that was what always stopped me. Um, and I might do we might do a little something for WrestleMania. We'll, we'll talk about we'll it. See. We'll see. Yeah, we'll see what's going on. Anyway, we are out of time here for this episode. Again, I want to thank our sponsors, uh, Roman and ZipRecruiter. Get Roman.com slash VOW and ZipRecruiter.com slash VOW to get both of those deals I mentioned earlier in the show. Uh, VoicesWrestling.com, at VoicesWrestling on Twitter, VoicesWrestling.com slash Discord, all that other good stuff. For Joe Lanza, I'm Rich Krejci. We'll talk to you guys next time on the Voice Wrestling Flagship Podcast. Take care.